Hi, this is Fabi Fall from Latinos Who Lunch, and you're listening to Grizzly Kiki. Today's episode is brought to you by Warby Parker, an eye care brand that offers chic and modern eyewear at a revolutionary price. Simply put, your glasses shouldn't cost as much as the iPhone X. Warby Parker's prescription glasses start at $95. And they do sunglasses too. Buying glasses should be easy and risk-free, girl. Warby Parker's home try-on program lets you fall in love with your glasses in the comfort of your own home. You can choose up to five frames from hundreds of stylish options and have them shipped directly to you for free. That way, you can try all the frames and pick your favorite. And for every pair of glasses sold, Warby Parker distributes a pair of glasses to someone in need. Daniel wears Warby Parker, and now he can actually see me. And I'm considering a divorce. Hey! So to get started, head over to warbyparkertrial.com slash kiki. Again, that's warbyparkertrial.com slash kiki. Warby Parker, modern eyewear made simple. Thanks a lot. This is Grizzly Kiki. I'm Daniel, and I found out I'm white today. <laughs> I'm Robert, and I've been white this whole time. And we're here with Fabi Fa from Latinos Who Lunch. How are you, Fabi? I'm great. Thanks for having me. <laughs> Thank you for telling me I'm white. You're welcome. My stock just went through the fucking roof. Yes, join the club. Your credit's better. Oh, my God. Um, you won't be followed around stores as much anymore. <laughs> it's it's going to be You mean great. I can go back to stores? Yes. Oh, you can sexually harass people and um, be a complete asshole and still be part of the Supreme Court. It's wonderful. Wow. <laughs> I didn't. I feel like I'm married to a celebrity all of a sudden. <laughs> are you Are you going to be the next? Well, no. Anyway, let's not do that. Um, so should we jump right into that topic since we're here? Let's do it. Okay. So you started. Okay. So one, uh, I'm assuming he's a listener, but some, someone tweeted us, right? Mm -hmm. So on the episode with uh, our most recent episode with Pincha Queen, we had a conversation about how Pincha was basically made to feel like she wasn't Mexican enough when she was with her own family. And then she moves to LA and the white people around her make her feel like she's not Mexican enough. Mm -hmm. And Daniel made a sort of innocent comment after that that was like, well, but let's not talk about white people. And so uh, one of our followers who I think is still our follower. Yeah, he's still our follower, so you're fucking it up, girl. Um, <laughs> he tweeted us and said, uh, he quoted, yeah, let's not talk about white people, and then said, I made it uh, I made it minute four, 46 into this episode before realizing the racial positivity usually expressed has turned anti-white and very close to racist. I really like you two, but when I choose to listen to something, it's not going to be hurtful. And then I respond by saying, good work taking something completely out of context. And he responds with, instead of trying to be objective, you're choosing to be defensive. I understand. To which I recognized, great, you're a troll. Your internet, yeah. your internet prices must be so high because you live under a bridge. And, um, and well, I'm not going to engage with you and anymore. In, in talking to Fabi about this before we started recording, he's like, uh, you said a friend of yours told you like oh, yes my friend Janisa who does the podcast Tea with Queen and Jay mm -hmm. yes says that if you're a, if you are Latino and you can play an Italian in the movie 
in a movie than you are like, white passing. Exactly. You can and be so white. I, I have gotten confused. Shout out to your cousin J-Lo, by the way. <laughs> right? Shout out to her. I she mean, plays Italians a all lot the time, right? Yes, yes. So I have been confused for Italian, Native American, Indian, um, Middle East. I've been confused. Middle Eastern is the main one. I Middle think. Eastern is mm, the main one. Yeah. But my best, fr- my former best friend thought I was Italian for two and a half years of our friendship. Okay, so I just like oh, I don't know what to do. Like, <laughs> well, first I just think it's so because like so I'm sorry. I guess I'm sorry I made that comment because I don't want to make anybody feel like they're being excluded. And uh, I didn't realize that, ew. like, no, no, but because the reason is, like, don't apologize. I don't, like, and I'm not really apologizing yeah. for it because it's like, first of all, you can't be racist towards white people. That's just a, Amen. like, a fact, right? Because, mm-hmm. um, like, white people have not been systematically oppressed throughout history. Again, it's Nor a system. Will they ever be. It's a systematic oppression. Things are taken away from you, denied to you, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, just because of the fact that you are a certain skin color in this country. That happens to be black, right? Yeah. So, can't be racist towards you, girl. So, and it's not anti-white. I think in that moment, and I can't really, like, I, I'm not even going to try and make something up as to why I said it, but <clears throat> that was a very heavy topic that we were talking about. And it got heavier um, because, I don't know if you listened past minute 46, but it did get not awkward, but I think all of us felt the heaviness in the air because it was something that Pinche was very sensitive about and really did require more exploration that I don't think either of the three of us had prepared for or were ready to explore in that moment. Um, and I know for a fact that I hesitated a lot toward the end of the first segment because all like my mind was racing with all these yeah. ideas of how like you're not enough here and you're not enough there. And it's like, why are people deciding that they can decide that you're, you're Mexican enough, white enough, black, whatever enough is, you know, like nobody should be allowed to quantify that for yeah. you. And so that's kind of, I guess where that came from, but it was more like we were just talking so much about race and like white, 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 white or whatever, or Mexican, whatever it was. I was just like, yeah, like let's just you know like let's not you know who cares like let's not give this any more space because it was obviously not a topic that was was going to be like explored properly in that moment i mean right. that that's and so i don't you know i don't want to offend or exclude anybody but it's like we're not anti-white but we're also people of but color like, fuck this guy so, people know we're not an- like being anti-white like i don't even care to to explain that to somebody because I know it's like it's not worth anybody's time mm-hmm. also again this is the famous bullshit that white people do they show up and they start crying when a conversation's not about them that conversation yeah. was me relating or Pincha telling her story and then me relating back to her being like I don't really understand my culture and I've been told my whole life that I'm too white yeah. to be Latino Hispanic whatever word you choose to mm-hmm. uh, to, to quantify my you know my, my, my Chilean heritage yeah. I been told that my whole life and so this moment wasn't about you and you decided to go on twitter and make it about you and it's like this is what you're what white people are fucking famous for and it's like are you fucking kidding me right now because we were having a conversation about how pinche as an adult moving away from home and then later becoming a drag queen that's when she was able to like start rediscover not not even like rediscovering discovering her latinidad because yes in a way it had been denied to her because the like mexican members of her family seeing her as as half white 
were exclusionary. Right. Or were excluding her. Yeah. So, and and that, you know, and, and you can even, again, hear it in how she's talking in her voice that it is a subject that was very... Um, uh, it was like, a sore spot. It was for a her. sore spot for her yeah. and an emotional one and something that she yeah. is, you know, like like dealing with yeah. through yeah. drag. I mean, her name is is fucking Pinche Queen. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like it's a you know, it's a saying. Like right. so she is anyway, it was about her. It's not about anybody else. Calm down. Yeah. Well, first of all, I want to say exactly what you said. You cannot be racist against white people. That's impossible. Okay, get over that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Second, white people hate to be to be reminded that they're white. White people don't have to worry about their identity because their identity doesn't exist. Mm-hmm. Right. So when they're reminded that they're white, it makes them uncomfortable mm-hmm. because that nobody. It's it's just so much easier to be ignorant about everything, right? So that's the second thing. This mm-hmm. person is uncomfortable because he's white and he feels guilty, and it's just something that we have to deal with a lot because we can navigate through different identities mm-hmm. or identify as Latinos or, mm-hmm. or uh, you know, Italian or, <laughs> you know, like J-Lo. I'm sometimes from Sicily. she's black, sometimes she's white. Oh my God, just, I know. She's Puerto Rican again, so that's good. Um, and then <laughs> third... There was another person who's Puerto Rican again and I can't remember who it is. Oh, I don't know. A but lot I know of these people. I know you the... guys on 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 you you and Babalita were talking yeah. about how Jennifer Lopez is Puerto Rican again she, after all these years. Babalita calls her a shapeshifter, which is great. <laughs> <laughs> I remember J Lo was on a morning talk show once trying to make like pollo frito, no, and and tostones or something, and I was like. J-Lo hasn't cooked since 1997. This was like bitch. age. Like, like also, uh, she's making it in the morning? Like, what are we well, doing here? Well, and she was just like gently doing this. And I'm like, what? Like, that is not a Puerto Rican thing. Mm-mm. Like, anyway. Wait, before what I was this, your third point? Okay, Sorry, my third please. point is that a lot of these Mexicans out there, and I run into them a lot because I make artwork about being Latino or Latinx, as the youth say. And as the kids say. <laughs> There's always this thing like, you're not Chicano enough. You're not Mexican enough. You're not this enough. Mm-hmm. And it that all ties to, believe it or not, to white supremacy. Mm-hmm. And that's what white supremacy does. It pins us against our own people, mm-hmm. right? To say that you're not brown enough, it that has direct ties to colonization yep. and to like genocide to a really mm-hmm. fucked up history yeah to uh what do they call it um like the purification of blood like a bloodline there's and all of that. No, yeah. yeah there there's no such thing and it's like a lot of i just had this conversation with my friend christina who's an artist who uh is colombian she looks white mm-hmm. she was adopted uh by a white family here in new york and now she's trying to get in touch with her latinidad and she runs into this all the time you're not latina enough mm-hmm. because you don't speak spanish right and i'm mm. like you know you're latina girl you were born in colombia like you mm-hmm. are latina yeah and then the more and i used to think like this too because you know we're all a little bit i mean we're all racist we're mm-hmm. all born in a racist world yeah, right? right so it, it takes a lot of reprogramming to actually uh think different and yeah. and we should all be learning so hopefully your listener mm-hmm. maybe learns from this but it, yeah um but then the more I think about it, I'm like, okay, so we speak English in this country, most of us. Most people in Latin America speak Spanish. 
Um, but that's also ex- and 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 but there, that's all languages of colonizers. Like, mm-hmm. who cares? Yeah. what you talk, like what what language it's, you speak in, and yeah. um, you got me all angry now. So, well, um, yeah, I mean, and, and it's all about othering, <laughs> you know, which is which it's is all about othering, which is the thing, and it, it, it's it's yes. funny because I was um was talking to my coworkers about this the other day, and I forget in what context it had to do because it's um. It's it's like it's a very mixed office. Like one of my coworkers is Japanese, another coworker is Vietnamese. I'm Puerto Rican, and we have you know two white people who work with us, but they're also you know like ethnically Jewish, and you know so there's like different levels of oppression that have yeah. been going on to the different cultures. You know, so oppression can really happen regardless of of skin color, language. You know, like people have been oppressed kind of across all. Yeah. All boundaries on a certain level, but, but racism is a, is a very specific thing and anti-white, I, whatever, you know, it's just like, no, this is not what's going on here. But it's like, you don't really, you can't really understand what it, any of this until you've been othered. And I was telling my coworkers just stories about how <clears throat> my grandfather and I, who would go to like the racetrack a lot or just, you know, we'd go out and walk or whatever. And it happened without fail, at least once every time we were on public transportation, where we would be talking to each other in Spanish amongst ourselves. Yeah. You know, and not even, you know, like when you talk in Spanish so that they don't realize that you're talking about them. It, it wasn't that. <laughs> like, I, it was not that, right? Even if it was. <laughs> but like, but the thing was like, we it, people on the train, on the bus, whatever, would literally look at us and be like, can't you just speak English? Mm. And even as a kid, I'd be like, what? And I would look at them and say, but I can speak English, sir, or ma'am, or mister, whatever. And they would like, because I was like this little brown kid who they thought was just like, you know, hola, adios, like, you know, that I couldn't speak anything else. Anyway, until you have felt that othering because of your race or your language, like, you don't get it. Yeah. The other thing about language that I want to mention, too, is that focusing so much on Latinos and this ties back to Pincha's episode mm-hmm. is that focusing so much on, ha- on having to know how to speak Spanish to be considered a real Latino mm-hmm. is really problematic because it excludes all of the Latinos, indigenous Latinos who still speak their indigenous languages mm-hmm. and also the Portuguese, the Bra- right, the, the Brazilians that mm-hmm. speak Portuguese. And I mean, that's the one thing we're trying to avoid, especially nowadays when there's so much anti-blackness mm-hmm. happening. To exclude white Latinos also means that you're excluding Afro-Latinos. And so Latinos come in all shapes, colors, mm-hmm. uh, religion. Like, it, it's, it's, yeah. it's, it's a, like I said, it's part of this whole, like, oh my God. putting people in a yeah. boxes. It's part of white supremacy to get mm-hmm. us to be, you know, racist against each yeah. other. It the colorismo like- is real. What's that show? Oh, God. And I even hate that I'm referencing this show. Love and Hip Hop Miami. Oh, yeah. Where with Amara La Negra, where she had to explain, I forget who, I think it was the guy that was like, like Charlemagne on The Breakfast Club. Yes, it was, oh my God. Where she had to explain to him what Afro Latino, like he didn't believe, and I'm like, what? Like, there were Africans in yeah. Latin America or in, you know, Latin, which is a weird term. And yeah. that's a whole other thing. But it's like. But he thought that Afro-Latino was a term that she had made up. Yeah. And that it meant that her father was black and her mother was was a Latina. And it was like, no, no, no. no. It's, it's a cultural. There's a cultural mixing anyway. Yeah. Also, like 
DJ Envy sits in front of a computer. Like, was it hard for him to Google Afro Latino? Like, DJ Envy doesn't even ah! speak. DJ Envy <laughs> doesn't even speak into the mic, and he has a radio mm-hmm. show. Well, so, yeah. well, anyway, girl, anyway he's but, gonna Google something. <laughs> yeah, I, I hope that that. Sorry, if, if you're still listening Wait. and you've made it past minute ten, that you understand yeah. what was going on. Hashtag white power. I'm like, wow. <laughs> Hashtag unplug your modem. Um, so. We're here with a guest. We have not even talked about you yeah, or what you me, do. Me, me, me. Mimi. Guess what, Mimi? Guess what, Mimi? You're going to talk about <laughs> me. Oh, my God. So, Favi is from the amazing podcast, Latinos Who Lunch. Um, tell us about how you, like, why you felt the need to start this podcast. Well, I was listening to a lot of podcasts back in the day and maybe like five years ago is when I really got into podcasts and I was looking for like queer voices and I found podcasts like The Read and a lot of, actually I was listening to a lot of black podcasts Mm -hmm. and I was thinking there's no, there's really no podcasts with like two queer Latinos like our age like and we were in our 20s then Babalito's old as fuck I don't know how old he was he was in his 30s <laughs> but um, not even here to defend himself wow. my goodness I always make fun of him he's not that old I'm just bring over this stuffed animal he'll sit in his place <laughs> oh my god um, no but I just I, I just wanted to hear two queer dudes you know Latinos talking about whatever and um, something that I really love about these podcasts that I was listening to was just hearing people of color have conversations um, and kind of like nerd out on everyday things mm-hmm. um, and when I met Babelito he was the first Mexican art historian that I have ever met and w- as soon wow. as we started talking um, we you know we, we became instant friends and we would go out to lunch and just have these like hour long conversations. And one day I said, we need to record this. I think this mm-hmm. would be a good podcast. And that's how Latinos Who Lunch started about two and a half years ago. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And so how do you feel the show has, like, w- what is something that, um, like, what is a, was there a, like a theme that you feel like is really important to, um, to keep, to keep alive, like to keep talking about, like how we talk about drag and queerness yeah. and stuff. Well, since we're both kind of in the art world, because I'm an artist, he's an art historian, we try to touch on that a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was really our focus in the beginning. Mm-hmm. But now it's it's kind of evolved into something else. And, um, and that's okay. Uh, it's a little bit, if you listen to our older episodes the quality's not that great so don't go too far back but <laughs> no no nobody ever wants to go that far we know we know phone in a cup upside down let's oh go oh my gosh but we had very specific like researched episodes and now because of our listeners mm-hmm. uh, they just kind of want to hear us banter so we like every other episode kind of do that now mm-hmm. yes um, and that's been fun but like Babalito and I just had a talk like we need to reel it back in buddy like we haven't really done, oh any, my God. done any research for like the last like few episodes you know and now it's turned into more like an interview mm-hmm. based uh, episode so I think at the beginning it was all about like visibility because like we say every episode like visibility mm-hmm. leads to representation and representation matters mm-hmm. right and and that's something that we learned from doing the show because we used to just say because visibility is important but visibility can also be a trap yeah just absolutely. like when you work somewhere mm-hmm. and they're like look how diverse our staff is and i'm like oh yeah all the brown people are 
either cleaning the building or doing or the assistants. Yeah. They're not it's in charge not, of it's anything. It's not just the right. presence. It's yeah. where are you in the hierarchy exactly. here? Exactly. Right. So mm-hmm. diversity can actually be a very dangerous thing. Yeah. So the way that those people are represented <laughs> and or what they are doing is actually the important thing. So now it's kind of shifted our thoughts, I think, and we are now more about showing kind of the the it's it's about us growing and learning about our own culture right and then it's also about i think us just being ourselves and showing that mm-hmm. hey we can talk about british bake-off mm-hmm. even though <laughs> oh, I love it that. has nothing to do with latinidad mm-hmm. and we just get into it right mm-hmm. like it's it's just a way it's just a way to it sounds really fucked up in a way but like to show that we're latinos and we're human right like latinos we're just like, like baking too oh my god yeah <laughs> we like lunch yeah. like don't so. you want to make a trifle I, oh my gosh! I, want, I really, I want. would love to. Right, all those I layers. Really suck at baking. Are you good at baking? Yes. Oh yeah. But I can't do that because <laughs> of oh, no, no. We've That's... done baking on keto. Oh. oh, we make some really good like keto chocolate cookies. How do you do that without sugar and flour? Well, we use almond flour. Oh, okay. And I make the chocolate chips. Which is a maybe thing. maybe if one of us works up the energy, we'll show you later. And but. then and <laughs> we making use, the chocolate chips is a, we use a, a wonderful a sugar yeah. substitute called erythritol, which is actually a sugar derivative from a sugar alcohol. Wow! And it is the only sugar substitute that does not affect your blood sugar at all because it doesn't get absorbed by your body. It is simply there for taste, and it comes out in your mm. urine. So it's actually like the best Ooh. sugar substitute in the world. That's that's a. Mm-hmm. Good tip. Thank you. Yeah. Anyway, I'm just because people will ask me like I I, Sweet I called my dad the other day and I'm like, listen, you need to start using this because my father's diabetic and oh, it runs yeah. in my family. So oh. I was like, stop using like aspartame causes cancer. Like you know all these stevia is bitter. Use erythritol. Oh, good to know. Anyway, sorry. That's okay. Uh, look at this, a multi-dimensional. <laughs> my new name is Tangentia. Oh my god. <laughs> weird um i was i was very enlightened by your i mean i'm enlightened by all of your episodes mm-hmm. but specifically the the episode about coco oh yeah oh yeah that was really amazing as as a latin x person <gasps> look at you uh, look at me. saying you're latin x i'm yes. so proud of you um i had such a, i'm a, we and we talked about this we have talked about um, it I am surprised at how much of a blind spot I had for the scene at the, at the um, border. At the border. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm. Um, and so I'm, I'm wondering if there are, um, from the way you just described your podcast, it sort of sounds like you're also learning about yeah. not just your culture, but yourself as you're, you know, as you're discussing these topics, is there anything like that, that sort of like blew your mind when you researched it and had to talk about it on the podcast. Yeah, I mean, the the movie Coco was a big deal because when I first saw it, I'm like, oh my God, I love it. I feel heard mm-hmm. and seen, right? And then, <laughs> and then Pavelito watched it and he was like, I fucking hated every second of it. And I'm like, okay. why? And then he like broke my heart. when. And then I was like, you know what? I did think that was really fucked up that mm-hmm. there there's, there's even a border at the afterlife. Like right. we can't even right. be dead and cross the border. That's so fucked up. Right. Um, um, but <laughs> there are walls everywhere. I guess. I guess the biggest shocker was to is what we were just talking about that I am a white passing Latino because my whole life I thought I was like so brown mm-hmm. and down. Like I'm I'm Mexican. Obviously, yeah. look at me, right? Mm-hmm. But I'm not. I have a lot of. I guess recognizing my privilege as a cisgender white passing 
able-bodied Latino is something is something that I learned mm-hmm. through the podcast because I was never aware of my privilege. Mm-hmm. And now I see everything different. Now I see like, oh, the reason why, maybe, maybe the reason why I'm allowed into all these certain spaces is because like I'm a non-threatening uh, a Latino, mm-hmm. white Latino, right. you know? If right. I was darker, would I be treated the same way? That's something that I definitely learned yeah. from talking to so many amazing academics and mm-hmm. friends on our podcast. Yeah. 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 Well, And that's one of the things I like personally love about Latinos Who Lunch is that because I work in the arts and I've, it's basically what I've dedicated my life to hearing the dialogue that you you and Babelito have coming from the artist perspective and the art historian perspective is one that I really love because I love that you you come to it from this like working artists space you know where you're dealing with all of these issues of how do you install things and you know the issues that come up and you know and, and you're also creating art that's very much in in tune with your culture mm-hmm. you know which and there are some of your pieces that are amazing like well they're all amazing but i love the las vegas sign oh yeah like that's incredible oh, um I think that's my favorite. The cardboard stardust sign? That yeah. Stardust. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Thank you. There we go. Yeah. I, I was telling Robert the other day about it. I'm like, you just have to go to his website and see it because it's it's really... I have seen it, but I, you saying Estardas, that triggered the memory of seeing it. <laughs> because you, with that because particular Because you said the piece, Las Vegas signs. So I'm imagining I, a sign that yeah. was oh, the Las Vegas. The welcome to Vegas signs. Right. Yeah. Exactly. yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But the, with the Estardas, it's like, until you say it out loud... Yeah. You don't get it because you almost don't see the E. Yeah. Then oh, that's no. The... I saw the E and I said, oh, yeah. I was just <laughs> well, like, yeah. But I'm saying you're, you're, you're playing with very recognizable iconography. Like, iconography. Yeah. And it's that like adding the, you know, yeah. Doot, 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 the E that if, you know, if you're just looking at it quickly, yeah. you probably wouldn't because it's so familiar. Yeah, so you to know? describe the piece, it's a it's a replica of the Stardust sign from the 1960s, I believe, is when the sign went up. And it's like a mushroom cloud kind of shape. Mm-hmm. And it's it used to say Stardust on it. And I changed it to say Estardust because that's how like my grandma said mm-hmm. it. And the best part about... And it's all made out of cardboard and like hand-painted and stuff, uh, which is... I love working in cardboard and in paper because... Uh, I was a broke artist and that's all I had. Mm-hmm. And then it's also like a thing, like it ties it to this, what they call in the art world, like rasquache, mm-hmm. um, aesthetic, which is like you make do with what you have. It's mm-hmm. like a very Chicano thing. And, um, the best part about it was sitting in the gallery when I first put the piece up and then the white people, um, yep, we're talking about white people again to your listener. Uh, <laughs> when white people <laughs> would stand there and they didn't understand, they're like, Estardas. Were they doing the, the the like gallery? Yeah, you know, the just saying it over and mm-hmm. over again until they then it clicked. You know, and they're like, oh, Estardas, oh. like Stardust. Yeah, they needed an audio guide, or they thought it was Eric Estrada for some oh. reason. Oh my god! Wow, <laughs> they're like Estrada. What is Eric sure. Estrada? <laughs> and and yet when I saw it, I immediately thought, oh, it's like if my parents mm-hmm. were yes. reading the sign. Yeah, yes. immediately I was just like, it's because of your Latin. Next roots. Mm-hmm. Look yeah. at that. Look at that. <laughs> you are you are Hispanic enough. <laughs> yeah, I, am. Um, I matter. But yeah, so you bring that, and then Babelito brings this because, like, art history to me is a it's what I studied, and it's you yeah. know where I come from. But to hear him poke all these holes in it, it's like my favorite mm-hmm. thing because mm-hmm. the thing is that art history has basically turned art into the <laughs> elitist ivory tower. 
that it doesn't have to be. Yeah. You know, to the point where it puts people off from going to museums and just enjoying things visually. Because at, at the end of the day, you know, when you study art theory, I, I forget the name, but there's this emotion, right? And so the, 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 the theory is that if you go and and consume art in whatever form, right? It doesn't have to be the fine arts, which again is another word I hate because it's like it's all crap yes. at the end of the day. Like this did not exist. It's made from very basic materials. It's paint and some sort of fabric or in your case paper mm-hmm. or rock. Like yeah. it's these things have value because we're giving them value. They don't have an inherent value. They're just materials. Anyway, but if you go and it makes you feel something, then it's done its job. Mm. And that's what I think a lot of people don't understand when they're put off from going to a museum where they feel like they have to dress up. and Because people equate museums with churches. It's, I've yeah. mentioned it before on, on the podcast where it's like a study was done a long time ago. And, you know, these like... um different public spaces were yeah. like ranked, you know, yeah. and people put museums up there with churches and people don't go to church that often no. anymore. So they don't go to museums. But I love how Babelito is like, I hate art history because it's mm. all like, it's not about appreciation. It's not even about getting the the history right. It's been turned into a narrative. And then there was an episode that you did that really did it for me um, where you talked about colonial art and colonialism. Oh, yeah. And where I I used to work at the Hispanic Society of America, we were very, um, like, geared toward filling that void Mm -hmm. in in our collection. So we almost exclusively collected colonial art during the period I was there from everywhere. Our mission was to collect art from everywhere that Spanish or Portuguese had been spoken or Mm -hmm. spoken. So we were very... um, focused on making sure that colonial art was <clears throat> given the same space as Spanish art because you know in art history you're not talk you're not taught colonial art it's like oh it's over there it's mm. not as nice it's it's you know it's okay it's imitation but it's not it had its own rules anyway that's what i love is like you explore these these things that depending on people's disciplines they don't want to go there yeah because it pokes holes in the foundations of all the stuff that they've built up and i i like that that you know you you and probably will take the conversations there it means a lot to me specifically with things like that so yeah that's awesome yeah. thank you <laughs> sorry I, that was very I, long no i i am actually i'm gonna have a fangirl moment right now i can't believe that you two listen to my podcast because i am like <laughs> such a fan of you guys it's that's really awesome <laughs> that you're actually referencing episodes right now is like blowing my mind. <laughs> a bibliography, you know. <laughs> Thank you. You guys always do your research, though. I love. Oh yeah, I love listening to your episodes because you guys don't fuck around. What you were saying we earlier, I, I, I don't know if you saw me looking, at you Robert, because we kind of went through a similar thing, and mm-hmm. it, it happened within the last year or so. Where in the beginning we started out like it's going to be an oral history. Like this is what it is all the time. And then at a certain point, there's only so many people that you can interview. <laughs> yeah. And so, you know, like maybe you don't get somebody from this week. So it went from scrambling to put together like our current events episodes way back when, where we'd be like, Oh God, like, you know, like to then people responding in a different way to them. And we were like, Oh, Oh, so we can have our voices too. Yeah. I, and, yeah. and, and it was very interesting discovering that through the podcast and kind of having the, I don't know, the, the balls to say some of the things. And like, um, I think the one that was most meaningful to me is when we did our, like, our pride storytelling series where yeah, we yeah. would pick a topic every week, you know, our first exposure to like gays in film or this, that, and the other. And it's just kind of like a prompt. 
you know, yeah. like when you're in school and it's like you never know what's going to come out of that. And and now we're kind of we've even had the let's reel it in. Let's like, you know, like start focusing more. And now we're having interviews kind of again coming in in a, in a more concentrated way because you have to achieve that balance. Yeah. You know, somewhere because. I don't know, then you kind of can exist in a vacuum. But it's good. I like listening to episodes where you guys just talk oh, about whatever. You. That was fun. <laughs> like when you guys were talking about watching that Meg movie. Oh, my God. Yes. That was a fun episode. <laughs> yeah. And we like the Wara Wara La Cuchara. Yeah. Oh, my God. Those are so, those are so good. Fun. I remember the Thanks. first one of your Wara Wara La Cuchara episodes. You and Pabluto were, well, the first one I listened to, you were talking about, was it Huarachas? I don't know. Or you were talking about going to each other's house. Ha- Wait a minute. Oh my God. One of it? you, hold on. One of you was talking about how you didn't let the other one know when something was, ha- it was like a family gathering thing. Oh. No, it was, Babarito came to your grandmother's house and he went in the fridge. Oh my God. It was that. God. No, okay. no, no, no. That wasn't it. That wasn't the one I'm talking <laughs> about. Disrespect. Because you were talking about, because <laughs> when he said Can you that believe he did that no i remember wow. that episode when i heard that, that episode i was like because <gasps> my grandmother my grandmother would tell me that don't go don't go past don't go past the room the chair that you were first invited to te sientas yeah. ahí yeah. y no hablas he's okay he's never gonna be able to live that down my grandma is always gonna hate him I, it I was can't. when you were talking about how he was like and you never tell me when things are happening it was just a very oh, like oh yeah Babalito doesn't believe in planning ahead he's mm-hmm. very mexa that way like hey I'm having this really important thing that's happening that you have to be at tonight and it's happening in three hours mm-hmm. like okay well I'm not gonna be there because I have to plan mm-hmm. ahead bitch I'm a professional mm-hmm. you know <laughs> or how I many like my family does that and it's like yeah, I'll see it on social media and I'm like I'll call my father and be like so did you know this yeah oh oh yeah I could have told you no and I'm like but but you didn't and so now I'm not there I didn't know anything was happening I'm like and, you know and just never yeah. you know but Mm-mm. um I think we should take a break before okay. we do that <laughs> before we do that I just want to do this before we forget okay I want to we're gonna give a shout out to <gasps> Um, my cousin Stephanie. Stephanie. Yeah. Oh my god. So okay. So drag. First of all, I also love you guys for being drag queens too. That's really <laughs> awesome. But you interview some of my favorite drag queens, uh-huh. and that's why that's why I found out about you because we uh, Babalito and I were doing the we're doing a panel with Sasha Valor. Oh my god! At you're DragCon right. a couple years right. ago, and. I, I needed to do research, but I, because I'm always working with my mm-hmm. hands, I can't really read that, you know, I don't have time to like read about these people on the, uh, on the internet. So I saw that you two did an episode with Sasha Valor and that episode just blew my mind. You guys were so well researched and it was just like amazing. So it was since, a fun episode. Yeah. Ever since then, I've, I've been listening to y'all and then my, I was somehow, oh, and because of drag, I reconnected with my cousin Stephanie, mm-hmm. who actually runs the original Lindo Michoacan on East Desert Inn. And um, and we started talking about drag one day, and then I brought up Grizzly Kiki, and she's like, oh, I've been listening to them for, forever. So she's a huge fan ah! of you guys. Well, thank yes. you for listening, Stephanie. Yes, thank you for listening, and I hope that one day we can go I wonder eat. if Stephanie's written in. Maybe. Well, I I hope that one day we can go eat at Lindo Michoacan. Oh, yes. East Desert. And on East Desert. 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 The original. The original. Save water. (laughs) Is there more than one? Drink margaritas. There is. There's like, I think there's like five of them now. I don't know. I only go to the original. Are they all hers? 
Um, well, she works at the original one on East oh, okay. Desert Inn. I think they are hers okay. or her family's. Okay, yes. good. Wow, yeah. work. An mm-hmm. empire. Yes, I they like built that. an empire, darling. Right? Yes. I mean, after all, it got torn down. They have a billboard. The most impressive thing is they have a billboard at the airport at Stop. the baggage claim that says, like, the original Lindo Mi- or the Lindo Michoacan and the locations. And it's in between Donnie and Marie and Shania Twain. And I'm Stop. like, look at that. We have made it. Between bastions <laughs> of whiteness. Yes. Oh, my goodness. Like seriously though, yeah, totally. Like, <laughs> That's a white. Well, I mean, well, we're I mean, gonna Shania make... Twain did throw the first brick at Stonewall. <laughs> don't do that. Shut up! You can't. You tell... don't know. As a Shania Twain fan, I don't ever talk about it, but I do love Shania Twain. When I heard her speak on Drag Race, oh my god! Because I don't think I've ever. Heard her just Ooh, that voice speak, but she lost her voice I for know. a long we time. Talked, anyway, we talked about but her. but that's but yeah. that's her that's her speaking voice. Ooh. <laughs> I was like, Ooh. wow, Ooh. what a voice. We love uh, you, Steph. <laughs> yes, thank you so much for listening. <laughs> okay, so we're gonna take a break, and when we come back, we're gonna talk about some some other stuff. I'm not even gonna tease it because I don't even know what we're gonna talk about. <laughs> we're gonna find out. We're all gonna find out together. So stick Free around. Form. We'll be right back. Oh, hi, it's me, Robert. And I have a question. Do you shop on Amazon? If so, you can be a supporter of our show. Just go to grizzlykiki.com and click the Amazon button in our menu. Anytime you shop on Amazon using our link, we'll get a small commission on everything you buy. And it's free. There's no cost to you as the money comes out of Amazon's pocket, not yours. So bookmark it, use it, and every time you buy from Amazon, you'll be helping us keep the kiki going. And we're back. We're still here with Fabi Fa from Latinos Who Lunch. Yeah, shout out to all the white people listening. Go ahead. <laughs> Look at all that white love that you're sending out there. Yep. It reminds me of what, what show were we watching? It was like, I just love white, uh, light love. Oh, on Insecure. Um, insecure. When, I um, love, um, what was light it? Skin light skin love. Light skin love. I was like... <laughs> we were just looked at each other like, what? I was like, Daniel, who are you dating? <laughs> Oh like, to be fair, he wasn't dating her. They were having sex. So, oh, anyway. anyway. <laughs> um, so we're gonna talk about you. Okay. Again. Sure. So even though it's obvious, we want to know about where you're from, what was and what it was like growing up there. I'm from Las Vegas, and it and you know to me it was regular. I mean, it was just like a normal childhood. But now that I've traveled a lot, I can see why people think it's weird that I'm from Las Vegas. Mm-hmm. The question I used to get a lot was like do you live in a casino, right? Because people don't realize that the Strip is just a small part of Las Vegas. And it's just like any like town in the Southwest, like New Mexico or in Arizona. Um, actually, I call I think Las Vegas is like the biggest suburb of L.A. Like we're pretty close to mm. L.A. So it's, it has a lot of similarities mm-hmm. to Los mm. Angeles. Um, but I mean, being from there is weird because it's a 24-hour town. And I mean, I know they say New York is a 24-hour town, but the city that never sleeps. Mm-hmm. But it does. Like, right. there's, there's, I mean, things shut down. Yeah. In Vegas, things literally do not shut mm-hmm. down. You can be in a bar all night long. You can gamble all night long. You can buy alcohol at any time. Mm-hmm. I go to some states and you can't buy, like, alcohol past nine. I'm like, what the fuck is yeah. going on here? And there's some, yeah. some states where, like... 
there are counties where you can't sell alcohol. Yeah. Like dry counties. Yeah. It's very interesting. I went to Arkansas with my family one time because I had an art show there and my uncles were trying to buy beer past nine and they're like, you got to go to Missouri for I that. I was just about to say, what are you, What were you doing in Arkansas? Like, I had an art who, who show Who travels there. to Arkansas? Yeah. The Walmart lady, Alice Walton, built a giant, like, $2 billion art museum and I was in one of the first art shows. Oh my, this is Crystal... Um, Crystal Bridges. Oh my God, that museum yeah. is... Gorgeous. It's amazing. It's Holy crazy. shit. I have not been there, but I yeah. remember. Shout out to the original Walmart in Bentonville, Arkansas. <laughs> have you heard wow. about Crystal Bridges? <laughs> Is she a drag queen in Arkansas? <laughs> no, it's this. There are actual. Shut up. Uh, <laughs> and now coming to the stage, Crystal, Crystal Bridges. Bridges. <laughs> um, no, it's this incredible. So the. That's the, the name of the museum. The Walmart yeah, yeah. woman, yeah. She built this. I mean, and they have a an incredible, like, like a like a almost Permanent encyclopedia. Blah, 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 encyclopedic. I'm having a very popoloptic moment right now. But you get <laughs> an encyclopedic collection, mm-hmm. oh. but it's like the space. Like there are actual like bridges. It's like li- little. Oh. Yeah, she had a river basically rerouted uh-huh. so that the museum could float on top of mm-hmm. a river. So there's wow. literally crystal bridges yeah. floating on top. It's of It's like uh, like the Louvre Abu Dhabi. Yeah, have you seen the? Louvre? I haven't seen it. Oh my god, I water literally runs through the whole museum. Like there are, wow. and and the roof of the museum, like it's pierced. So that as the sun arcs, it creates different patterns throughout the museum with like old masters, you know, because they, cool. they send a portion of the loose collection over there every year and they cycle it out. Anyway, like the, the architecture, that's a whole other podcast that's is the crazy. architecture of museums. Wow. But, yeah. <laughs> that's crazy. <laughs> Robert's like, next. <laughs> I know. The, the me from New Jersey is like, that's crazy. But what is the mall like? Um, He's like, is, oh. there, is there a Claire's there? <laughs> no. So speaking of malls. Yeah. So one of the things that uh, I didn't think last, you know, a lot of people say Las Vegas doesn't have any culture. Um, but the funny thing is, is that Las Vegas is full of it and full of culture. And it's full of it. <laughs> <laughs> I see what you did there. I did that on accident, but I'm I stuck with it. I stuck hard with that landing. Um, but, but Vegas is is meant to attract people from all around the world. So it's almost like this weird, like, funhouse mirror. So, yeah. like, when people go there, um, it, it reminds you of a lot of different places. So, like, when you guys went there, for example, you went to the Venetian, mm-hmm. you know, Caesar's Palace, the Paris, right? And uh, the more I travel, the more that I, I see, like... Vegas uh, also reflected now. It's like art imitating art. Like now, for example, uh, I just went to Europe recently and like going through the airport, I'm like walking around the airport and I'm like, oh, this is Las Vegas. Mm -hmm. Like this, the way, the wayfinding in this airport, like in these shops is taken directly from the interior design of casinos. Mm-hmm. So you kind of get lost in this like duty free mm-hmm. section, you know, and they kind of make you like snake yeah. through everything. Um, and Las Vegas is, ter- that's what the strip is turning into. Unfortunately is like a giant airport mm-hmm. shop, basically like where people are just like walking through and they don't know what part of the airport they're in. We, we walked through three casinos. You didn't know. And we didn't yeah. know. Cause I know, I think Dolly Parton was doing a show. No, Sophia Loren. Oh, my God. <gasps> Sophia Loren was doing a show at the Venetian when we what? were there. This was like 2016, mm. I want to say. Sure. And and I was like, oh, my God, Sophia Loren is doing like a one woman. Oh, Sophia Loren is doing a one woman show. Like, I would have yeah. loved to have seen that. And so we were going up the escalator at the Venetian, the weird like 
like went on a slant. Yeah. And I'm like, there was no escalator on the Bridge of Sighs, but okay. <laughs> like, I'll, I'll, I'll take this. They took prisoners through there to die, but now there's an escalator here, so we'll take mm. it. Wow. And then somehow we went from <laughs> Venice to Rome. Yeah. And we didn't realize it. Yeah. And it also took an hour to find the gondola stand. Yeah. Because I was like, let's do the gondola. Because it's not expensive and it looks kind of fun. And there's a fake, like... Ceiling, like Like a fake sky. I was all about it. I was like, the artificiality of it was like... I was like, I just want to go and look at everything. I don't even want to gamble. I just that was wanna... my moment when you we like saw to gamble, the, huh? The, oh, I love to gamble, yeah. but I meant the sky, like the fake oh. sky. I was like, oh my god, it's the fake sky from Showgirls. Oh, like yes. that was my moment. I was like, they went all in, so and it, it's interesting how <laughs> the artificiality <laughs> then becomes something that's like normal. It's just a very yeah. So that's something that I love is like the facade being to us the facade is real. Mm-hmm. Like so, like everything is basically cardboard. And- oh, and they were celebrating Chinese New Year at the Venetian. Oh yeah. Oh yes. So that was the other like. Every, I'm like okay. Every casino is it celebrates every Chinese Asian really holiday because. I mean, that's that's a lot of the clients mm-hmm. that come to yeah. Vegas. They're from China or they're in, in, in really? parts of Asia. If you notice every, yeah, every casino in Vegas, I mean, the ones that where the Asians go to gamble, um, they don't have uh, four, like levels with the number four on them. Cause Wait, that's bad, really? Because that's bad luck. Yeah. And uh, they usually have lions, uh, the ones that kind of look like dragons mm-hmm. at the front doors of ev- oh, the every... Oh, like the, fo- like the food dogs. Yes. Oh, yeah. those things. Yeah, yes, yeah, yeah. Yes, the yes. food dogs. Because cause at, at the entrance of every casino, like doesn't matter what the theme is. Oh my God, is. there were a lot of them now. Yeah. That I, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they were exactly. huge. Yes. They were yes. like the ones that they put in front of every Panda Express. Yeah, I mm-hmm. love that. Shout out to Orange Chicken. Yeah, I love Panda Express. <laughs> I've never oh eaten God. at a Panda Express. What? You haven't lived. No, well, because like in New York, because like in New York, like, oh, you know, yeah. I mean, it's not, it's not Chinese It's not food. the same thing. It's American Chinese food. But yeah. like Panda Express is a very like particular What kind of Latino taste. are you? You haven't been to Panda Express? Because we would get <laughs> alitas with fried rice. Uh-huh. From the corner Chinese store. I know, store. you guys are so lucky oh, here in New so York. Good. There's so many Chinese takeouts. Oh my, and the Chino Latino. Pl- oh, oh my God. Yeah. You could get your Chinese food and then have dessert, which is just yeah. guava shells with cream cheese. <gasps> what? Amazing. Yeah. Where where have I been that this is not a thing that I've experienced? Oh my God, guava shells with cream cheese are amazing. I've never had it. Oh my God. They're the one day. Yeah. Mm. Anyway, Vegas is great. Anyway. <laughs> Um, if you haven't been to Vegas, uh, I don't know why I'm always like an ambassador for Vegas. Go to Vegas. You don't have to gamble. Now mm-hmm. there's so much. I mean, there's so the thing with Vegas now is that they attracted all these families to Vegas in the 90s. That was like the family friendly era. And then they figured out like, oh, like kids don't spend money, you know, and like <laughs> they don't they can't gamble. And their parents right. are too busy, like taking care of their kids that they stop gambling. So anyway, so they got rid of that. And then all these kids that have these fond memories of Las Vegas are now millennials right like that can gamble but they don't want to gamble they want to have an experience because everything is about experiencing things and instagramming shit now right so Uh um so now vegas has changed on the strip now it's all about the day clubs pool parties um fine dining a day club there's every casino has a day you can go during the day during the day at a pool yes i don't do that i don't go near water so i don't understand that like 
pools, pools. I do, I do take a shower once a day. Um, but yeah, she'll melt. Sometimes I drink water. She's uh, the wicked witch of the west. <laughs> but, um, but then there's a lot of other stuff to do in Vegas. Like, uh, the, there's a lot of beautiful nature. For mm-hmm. example, if you're into that, you can go hiking the Hoover Dam. You know, there's a lot of beautiful things. Oh, I forgot the Hoover Dam. Yeah, is there. yeah. When you come to visit, see, we girl, just went I'm to see Brittany. Guys. But can we? But can we also go play? Go play the Britney Spears slot machine. <gasps> yes. that's my favorite. Of course. I when like, you get the bonus and she sings Toxic. Oh, I love it. Oh my god, that's I like, the best. I like the Dolly Parton. I like the Reba one. Why <laughs> she sing Fancy? There's a Reba. Yes, there's a Reba slot machine. Yes. Oh my god, it's the best. I I loved. I I won. Wait, like, and she sings Fancy during the I bonus. I don't know if she does. Oh my god, I don't know. that'd be we'll so have good. To play it I think I won like five hundred dollars or three hundred dollars. And Dolly started singing nine to five and I got cocky yes. and then I lost it. And then oh. I went to the Willy Wonka machine and I was like, fuck it, I'm not doing this anymore. What do you what, you guys just like to play slots or do you gamble like oh, on the, the table? The other stuff makes me nervous. Okay. I don't I know how to do any that. of it. Okay. So when you guys I'm I also don't like doing that. I don't like to gamble at all, basically, because I've okay. been around it and I've seen it ruin so many people's I lives. I just like right. the money in my wallet to stay what it is. Yes. And so then I, I like know, to do that. Same. Yeah. yeah. Same. But I love bingo, first of all. If you haven't okay. gone to like an OG like bingo hall in Las Vegas, it is What? So That's much a thing? It, they're giant and you get free drinks and it's like you can buy in for like seven bucks, oh. I think is the cheapest. And it's like one hour of entertainment. Can you show up like with like your like tre- your lucky treasure trolls yes. and shit? The and, last like, time we went, up? shout out to my friend Olivia. She took her green troll, like the yes! little things. And she she Oh, she didn't win. My friend Carl won, but that was because the troll was facing him. So then oh, now we no. learn you have to face mm-hmm. the troll towards you. Okay. Wow. Wait, do you not know about how like People these ladies go? Like yeah, troll like, dolls. like treasure trolls are like yeah, a thing. Trolls. They're like a good luck charm for bingo. Okay. So I... all the old ladies who have their like sequin hats and matching fanny pack, I love they'll go and they'll set up like they're like lucky treasure trolls and you face them away from you. Okay, between that and the cr- cream cheese wawa, I feel like I've been deprived because oh, wait, and you I grew up your own special marking. Oh, that I know about. Robbers. I I yeah. grew up in a church where they had they had bingo nights and you could smoke in <gasps> the cafeteria, Ooh, in the which was the cafeteria for the the church's like school. Wow. Like the church's elementary school. There are bingo halls with smoking sections still in Vegas. But there yeah. were no trolls. No Everyone trolls. had their own bingo markers, but no trolls. Yeah. Um, oh, okay. And then so in downtown Las Vegas, yeah. there's a few casinos that still have slot machines where you can put coins in them and <gasps> then coins come out. Really? Coin operated slots. Yes. And there's some places that will do like if you go like on a Thursday, they'll do lessons. So you can like play like quarter blackjack or quarter roulette or oh, like okay. quarter craps. And the, the dealers actually teach you how to play. What? So, yes. When yes. you said lessons, I was like, so there's a certain way I have to pull. Yeah, that's what I thought too. I, I thought these were the like, slot machines. oh, no, no, no. Slot machine <laughs> the table games, the table games, the table yes, games. Yes, 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 yes. So it's fun because you're not really yeah. losing money. And yeah. You're, and, and I mean, and you're learning. You, oh, yeah, you just take a roll. I want to go with a big plastic bucket and like yes, win a dollar. Yes, yes, yes. It's so much fun. My grandfather once came home from Atlantic City with two huge, like plastic buckets. Oh that was God. my and favorite. He, he kept them in the buckets because I was like, "You're going to," because my 
mother and aunt used to go with my grandparents when they were little to Atlantic City, but like we never did, mm. you know. And so he went once and came back, and I was like, I want to see the bucket because my grandparents had a collection of these like buckets and cups and like you know. And I was like, drink Kool Aid out of like mm-hmm. I forget what because Tropicana or something like that. And he came home once with two huge buckets, and we got oh to count God. out all the change. And it was like I don't know, You're it was like, a lot. But I was I'm just like, right. I was like, <laughs> that would hurt though. Swimming in coins. I know uh-huh. coins are dirty. Mm-hmm. I used to collect those buckets. I would make my parents go from because I grew up going to Atlantic City every summer, and I would make my parents walk all all up and down the boardwalk collecting the buckets from each casino. And for some reason, they would get tired right before the Bally's Grand because it was the one that was at the far end of the boardwalk. Um, and so I didn't get one of those for a very long time. And I was very disappointed. But um, but I eventually I've, completed my collection. I've never been there. I want to go to Atlantic City just to see it. It's depressing. Yeah. It's depressing. Oh, Capital gonna, D, depressing. Ooh, the Bellagio it. had a delicious buffet, though. The Bellagio? Not the Bellagio. Where did we Borgata. go? The Borgata. The Borgata. I don't know where you are. We went there for a drag show. You know where she is. They do have a cute drag show that Sherry Vine organizes is it it's like throughout the year yeah she does it yeah she does it I think she does one in the summer and then another for Halloween yeah and they're and so they're like it's amazing like the theater's gorgeous and we went to the the buffet at the Borgata and she was really good Mm. really good because normally prime rib at these like buffets are disgusting this is delicious what's your favorite thing about buffets (sighs) the meats no, I think it's just like looking at it, honestly, because like I will always overdo it. And then I'm like, what is all this garbage on my plate? Like, it does, like that shouldn't even be like like I shouldn't be eating all of these countries at once. Yeah. Sometimes like yeah. it's just strange, but it's just like looking at how much stuff there is is sometimes kind of fun. Yeah. And then everything's like big. But then you get to the dessert section and they're all tiny things. And that doesn't make any sense to me. Mm-hmm. Although the Borgata had good desserts because they had those little, like, desserts in a tiny, tiny plastic shot glass. You know, that's like a cake oh, and a thing. Yeah. And, and I like, like mini those. tarts. Yeah, I like, I like, because you can just, yes. so, I don't like that. Um, you didn't ask me, but I'm going to answer anyway. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> Nobody cares. Because uh... I grew up going to buffets oh, yeah. uh, over the summer. Um, so... Two. I have two answers. The first one is the um, the soup station at the Harris in Atlantic City. <gasps> Ooh, she's specific. I lo- yes. oh, I loved the soup station because they always had clam chowder, and I fucking love New England clam chowder. And I could eat as much of it as I want, and you could take as many um, oyster crackers as you wanted. Oh my god, I love oyster crackers. Girl, when I tell you, getting as fat as I am was an investment. She was an investment, and I spent <laughs> and I and most of my most of my futures were collected at the the Harris buffet um so uh and then my second answer and i'm almost ashamed to say this but the trump marina oh, had no. a de- i know i know problematic it's the okay. trump marina had a delicious breakfast okay. <laughs> right <laughs> the, trump, the trump marina had a delicious breakfast buffet that i sometimes dream about when like i wake up in the morning and i'm starving i'm like god i would love a plate of like the biscuits there and like bacon and sausage and some eggs it was just like it was heaven, and we, I, my parents and I, we only went one time to the breakfast buffet because we would always wake up late, but it was beautiful that one day that we went. <gasps> oh, wait, I just had a memory. Yeah? Sorry. My favorite buffet of all time 
Yeah. Is Sizzler. the is the oh my god Sizzler with the little popcorn <laughs> shrimp Sizzler? girl? Oh. Do I remember? Because it was always like Sizzler the hut. The shit. It always looked like a little hut <laughs> next to like the Bradleys it. or the yeah. Caldors or like well not yes. Walmart in our case, but like it, you always like you didn't know if you should go. Yeah, because you were like, mm. <laughs> but then you would go and the popcorn shrimp was like yes. on a truck. Like it so looked was did they have like popcorn corn like cream corn was that a thing did I make what? am I making this up no oh at it Sizzler. was like little yeah oh like yeah little... they were like hush puppies almost right yeah oh the little like fried oh yeah do you those remember they good. had chicken nuggets in the shape of dinosaurs yes oh, but I, I love the what, shrimp what were you gonna say though oh so say. my favorite buffet one of my coworkers took me to um the brunch or lunch buffet at the Breakers in Palm Beach and like it's gore like you have to dress up because wait where is this the breakers it's this incredible like one of the like grand dom hotels right oh, okay. like so it's where stan said he was going to take dorothy on the golden girls yeah oh, there's no cover you have to cover drive cover. across the bridge because like palm beach is its own thing so oh, you have God. to drive across the bridge that leads you into palm beach to I forget what it's called, but they call it like Florida's Rodeo Drive because it's like all the stores that are on Rodeo Drive, but they're literally like smaller. And then you drive to the Breakers, which is like on this like... Anyway, you're eating in this dining room that's like 100 feet tall with windows and you're just seeing the ocean. But you can get everything, including lamb chops cooked to like your specifications. Wow. But my favorite thing was the Mm-mm. chocolate macadamia nut pie at the Breakers. Oh. That it was... Like, I have been looking for this recipe now for over 10 years. And I even emailed and called them and sent a fax once. <gasps> a asking fax? For, I, girl, I sent a fax. Fax a fax, America. Because I, I called and they were like, you can send it to this number. We don't know if we'll send it to you. What? But you can ask for the recipe. This pie was You that. sent them a fax? They gave me the option. Persistent. And I said, okay, I'll send a fax. You sent a fax when you were like 10 years old? I wasn't 10. Oh. I was in my 20s. <laughs> I'm just imagining like at what point would you a have said but, but literally that was just like, yeah, that was my favorite buffet thing was that yeah. chocolate. Because I think about that pie. Anyway. Yeah. Well, the nice, th- I mean, the, yeah. Yeah, the dessert game, you're right. The dessert game is kind of low in a lot of these casinos. Because I think everybody just wants the meat. Yeah. Because meat, it's like, you oh, know, meat's like expensive. The is, everybody goes yeah. for the seafood. And I'm like, and no, I don't go for the... Mm-mm. No. Mm, I don't want to do that to myself. I yeah. What's your what's your uh, not fantasy buffet situation, but like like, yeah, my go to. I don't know why I always go for the Asian food. That's like my favorite. Ooh, okay. okay. And then like I love ranch dressing, so I will also like get everything that I can dip in ranch. Like that'll be my second. Usually, okay, my first course is usually Asian food. Okay, okay, like chow mein, and then like I mean I don't. I'm trying not to eat meat anymore, but. But, you know, if the old me mm-hmm. would get like <laughs> orange chicken, like bro- beef oh, broccoli, all, all that shit. All like the fried chicken dipped in a sauce. Okay. Yes. yes. Mm-hmm. My second plate would be my ranch dipping plate, which would be like every kind of fried and battered meat that they had, like mozzarella sticks, oh. pizza. Um, Ooh, pizza. Yeah, like oh. uh, like hush puppy, you know, like things like that are good dipped in. So I would just get a, I would literally get a soup bowl, fill it with ranch. And then get all the things that you could dip in ranch. You know, people's so, fascination with ranch is a very strange thing. I, to you me. made a face, right? Because no, just I, not so only sorry. am I offended, but I'm also hurt. I'm not gonna lie, because Robert, Robert did Wait. make. 
this I, buffalo chicken dip that's keto with like a whole bottle of ranch dressing. Yeah. And she was good. I just like it I don't was know, half a bottle. Thank you. Ranch dressing is one of those <laughs> things that I because I'm just I don't have an aversion to it. Yeah. But it's just I've heard that a lot of people are like obsessed with it. And I'm like, it might be a West Coast thing I too. No, I don't know. I do like ranch. Um, Robert? not really. Okay, um, that's fine. Our dear I'm friend, just gonna leave. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, thank but you, you for know having who, me. <laughs> our dear friend Pissy Miles loves ranch. Oh my gosh! And she did make a comment about how I think I forget what it was that we were watching, but it was something like people appropriating white culture by using ranch oh, in their yeah. food. Yeah. Um, also, when you brought up your ranch dipping plate, I yeah. for some reason imagine a plate covered in vegetables. Because I'm just oh. like, because to me, yeah. ranch dressing is the shit you see in the Hidden Valley commercials, oh, and the right. kids are all like eating their vegetables oh, with no. like. Oh, I do yeah. love dipping a carrot. See, I love those like raw S- vegetable celery, plates, celery so- and carrots Ooh, with ranch and broccoli. Oh yes, no cauliflower is better. Yes, though. cauliflower. See, yes. but ranch is good for so- no, no, because cauliflower is more <laughs> face, um, your face right now. Cauliflower doesn't <laughs> so have disgusting. all those like. The, like the little it's just, flowers it's just hardier it's crunchy yeah it's it has nice. a yeah it's not yeah. so like no se desborona I don't even yeah. know what the, like cause broccoli does that and that's not cute right right with right. ranch but I like ranch on uh, with certain things uh, j- yes uh, just really quick cause you mentioned yes. Pissy I love Pissy but she was at DragCon and she was dressed at, she was like a drag version of, of uh, Pennywise yes and I hate scary movies <laughs> And I'm terrified of you. Do I do? I hate really? scary movies. That's why. Um, that's why I love Scream because we were okay. talking about Scream earlier. Because it's not that. I mean, it's so campy. It's so campy that I I'm able to watch those movies. It's still it's still scary to me, but I'm able to watch them because they're so funny. But um, I was interviewing everybody basically at Jiggly's booth except for Pissy because. <laughs> I was so scared of her. You mean- <laughs> but I was I was trying to be cool and she was so nice. But yes. I just wanted to give her a shout out because she was so nice. Aww. But I was also it was a true test. I was terrified. See, if, if you'd been there on she Sunday, you would have seen her dressed as a nun. Oh my gosh, mm-hmm. that's even scarier. No, that <laughs> does that bring back Mary? Brah! Yeah. Oh my god. Oh, no, yeah. but um, that look though was incredible. Yeah. Oh my god. It's one of her best. I love Pissy Wise. Oh, Pissy. <laughs> Wow. Yes. But, um, yeah. P- Pissy and her husband were watching Scream last night at the same time. Oh. They were watching Scream too at the same time Wait, that we were did watching you notice Scream. How Pissy was there with um oh god damn it. What's his name? Not Charlie. Wait, shit. Georgie. Georgie. Her husband was dressed as Georgie with the red David balloon. David was Georgie. Yeah. That was that to me yeah. was the kicker. Oh my god. Because they, they went to Party yeah. City. They went yeah. to Party City looking for an arm. Because oh, she was going to, wow. like, you know, walk around with an arm. And David saw the... the Details. Like, oh. they, they had a Georgie costume. And I thought it was so adorable because when I saw them walk in, I saw David with the balloon. And I was like, oh, my God, this is brilliant. And Pissy had, a like, an SS Georgie fascinator yeah. in her hair. Like, that was... It was a do- like yeah couple costume goals. That's awesome. Like that was amazing. Yes. Anyway. Anyway, buffets, Vegas is weird. Uh, <laughs> Pissy wise is scary. Pissy wise is scary. And my f- uh, white people are white. And my family, <laughs> uh, my family uh, uh, is all from Las Vegas too. Oh okay. So I mean, when I think of Vegas, I think of home. That's mm-hmm. what I, that's, I guess that's what I wanted to get to. And it's um I don't know. I think Vegas is a really cool, weird place. Mm-hmm. And it's 
and I know that it's an awful place. It can be an awful place. It just it's what you make of the experience. Mm-hmm. Just like New York can be an awful place. Mm-hmm. Um if if you like can the, the thing is it's just market it, it yeah. it's the way that things are marketed. Yeah. Like people live everywhere. It's just that Las Vegas is kind of to me anyway, it's marketed as this specific fantasy. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. New York is marketed as a fantasy mm-hmm. of sorts. And girl, New York is not what they say it is, but right? Um, yep. she's dirty. Yeah. She's dirty. Girl, I'm saying in the Bronx, Although, Bobby from the Bronx, don't be fooled <laughs> by the skeleton sheet t-shirts that I got. I'm still Bobby from. The- okay, I'm gonna stop. Sorry, I'm really making my full J Lo transformation. But really, nothing trip. impressed me more uh-huh. than the Las Vegas airport. Oh, really? I have that airport was because I'm I'm a checked baggage person. Uh-huh. I heard you talk about how you don't check yeah luggage. Yeah, I don't understand people that don't check luggage. It's like. I think checking luggage is my ranch dressing. <laughs> okay. If I don't check That's a, a bag, great way of putting it. If yeah. I don't check a bag or two, yeah, uh, so, something's uh, wrong. Something's wrong. Oh, okay. I think there was one trip we went on where I did not check a bag. Yeah. And I was like, you felt we like, yeah, naked. like I didn't. We were there for two days. It's I that think it was George. Okay. It's that George Carlin skit. Have you ever seen them where he talks about your stuff? Yeah, yeah. That's that. Like I. I relate. Like, the supply yeah. has been stretched, right? So I, I checked two bags. Nobody else did in our trip. And, of course, my bags came on the furthest carousel. Oh, no. And they were doing construction in the air. Like, your airport is that big. They that actually airport. call it construction. <laughs> they had, like, barricades up. Yeah. It was just so big. It was just so big. It, it's massive. That airport is... Like, they have yeah. Times Square size billboards on the inside. Yeah. And ca- casinos. Yeah. Like, slot machines like, on the Like, y- there were slot machines right by the I carousels. Think it's also the only airport that still has smoking sections inside. Oh, that was the one thing about Las Vegas that drove me crazy. Everybody's smoking everywhere. Yeah. They have these glass cubes with slot machines in them that yep. are smoking sections still you in Vegas. You can't see in them. It's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. And that was the only thing. It was just because I, I mean, smoke if you, I like, um, but yeah. it's like we would get home every night and I would literally have to go wash every, because I was like, this is not coming in our bedroom. Like, yeah. it just, you know, you could, it was a lot. It was a lot. You know, you want to know a secret? Why? You can put stuff in the freezer and it gets the what? smoke smell away. Really? Yeah, that's something I learned. So I didn't have to wash my, my signature red sweater every time. You just throw your freezer yeah, in the sweater? I, I, did this, I did Yeah. I did this artist residency in a casino and I hated that my sweater smelled like smoke. Oh my and God. And so I would just throw it in the freezer every night. Yeah. That is wow. a good... Oh, and then you have like a nice cool wrap in the morning? <laughs> yes, oh my God. darling. Yes. yes. <laughs> Not everything you should keep in the freezer. Your eye cream. Well, your eye cream in the fridge. But your freezer in the sweater. Yep. Your sweater in the freezer. I the meal. Wow. <laughs> um, I want to. I want to give a shout out and I like rest in peace, whatever you call oh. that, to Miss Colombia. Mm. Um, she was a huge. Uh, she was a huge fixture in the queer community in Queens, mm-hmm. and uh, unfortunately, her body was found uh, at Reese Beach. And you know, I. I mean, I. I, I don't I don't even know what to make of it. It's it's devastating. Um, she was literally a colorful, mm-hmm. uh, you know, like a, a a colorful moment of joy whenever we saw her at mm-hmm. um, at Queen's Pride and Queen's Pride, as we've talked about on the podcast, is our favorite. So um, it's really you know it's it's really sad yeah. that she's not she's not going to be there next year, and that mm-hmm. fucking sucks. I'm also so. like it's 
before, like during our break, we were talking about it and how it's just it's way too similar to um to Marsha B. Johnson, uh, Marsha P. Johnson's um death, you yeah. know, yeah. and it's like yeah. I like because Miss Columbia was a queer icon, and it's. Like, stop throwing our people in the water. Like, it's just not... I don't know why, but something yeah. about getting washed up... That Like, that's one of... You know, the, there's, like, these ways to go that are just awful. Yeah. And, like, that's one of them. You know? And it's, like... I, I just... I don't know. It's, um... I just... I don't know. It's upsetting. I don't know. And, and I know they're investigating it, but it's... You know, it'll probably end up, you know, on the back burner somewhere. Yeah. Unfortunately. Well, I know who Miss Columbia is, but can you guys just tell me a little bit about, like, maybe describe her? So, just so. The, the thing is, everybody's seen her. Yeah, like, I know she, what she looks yeah. like. Yeah, yeah. So she is, she just, you know, has been doing drag since, I believe, the 80s or earlier mm-hmm. and was, was diagnosed with HIV early on. Yeah. You know, and when she was, she declared that she was just going to live her life colorfully and out loud. And yep. that's what she's done. And... I mean, I've I've read about, you know, because there are quite a few things out there about her. Like, you know, she's a known figure in New York and in Queens, as Robert said. But it's never been clear to me if she actually had a home. That's what I was wondering. But she yeah. always was, you know, like, I mean, she didn't walk with her house on her back. You know, yeah. basically, like, it wasn't, you know, she was always kind of giving you a performance. Yeah. You know, anywhere that she was. So it's something I always wondered about was yeah. how she was taking care of, how she took care of herself. Because... She obviously wasn't neglectful of herself or was being neglected. Yeah. So it's kind of that air of mystery about her. Um, but yeah, that's basically, you know, she was a, a like a fixture. She also had a parrot, right? Yeah, and a dog. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. So yeah. I imagine, you know, she she had to mm-hmm. take them somewhere. It's just yeah. to me, she was always this figure that just kind of appeared. Yeah. Like you never knew like where, like, you know, she just like dropped down and she, oh, there she is around the corner. And, you know. Yeah. Um, we never really understand, understood who she was or where she was coming from or what was happening. But it was just, it was always joyful to see her mm-hmm. yeah. in whatever yeah. capacity, you know. And if anybody's wondering what she looked like, think of Jiggly Caliente's post-apocalyptic Oh look. my God, yes. <laughs> That's it. Absolutely. Well, Jiggly yeah. didn't have a beard. No. Yeah. Right, right. <laughs> Um, we're going to take another break, and when we come back, we're going to talk about your art. So stick around. We'll be right back. Today's episode is brought to you by Quip, an innovative oral care brand that makes it easier than ever to maintain a healthy brushing routine. The simple secret to great oral health is good technique, consistent brushing, and regular upkeep. Do away with the myth that more power and features means a better clean by trying out their beautifully designed electric toothbrushes. They also take the guesswork out of replacing your toothbrush by delivering a new head and fresh batteries to you every three months. Shipping is free and you can cancel at any time. We use Quip and it's made us smile more because our teeth are actually clean. Quip is offering you, our listeners, $10 off your first refill by signing up at tryquip.com slash kiki. Again, that's tryquip.com slash kiki. Quip, oral care designed for a modern lifestyle. We're back and it's time to talk about <laughs> I mean, like this whole big ramp up. You're in town to do an installation yeah. at the Sugar Hill Children's Museum in Harlem. Um, can you tell us about the show? Yes. So the Sugar Hill Children's Museum of Art and Storytelling uh, has commissioned me to make a big mural in their main space in their museum. And it's such a weird it's such a weird museum 
because it's like a it's kind of like a legit art museum, but then it's also like a kids museum, like a children's museum and classrooms. They have an artist. It's it's pretty cool. The 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 function of the place, I guess. It's a little bit okay. more accessible and it's like for the community, you know? So I was really excited to be a part of that show. And it's the first time I've ever showed in New York. So, oh, really? uh, yeah, I'm really excited about wow. it. So I do a lot of work in a pinata style. Okay. So, and, and for all you Latinos that are listening that are like, I can't believe he just said pinata and not pinata. Fuck you. Okay. So. <laughs> <laughs> But Fabi, you're not Latin enough. I you know. Don't say piñata. I know, and I love Taco Bell too. Get over it. Ooh, Taco okay. Bell. She's had a resurgence in recent years. Oh, okay, yeah. she Let's got better. Do this. Sorry, Crunchwrap <laughs> Supreme. Come on. Okay. I was very upset though when they got rid of their their salsa better there. Yeah, I'm really upset about mm, that. No, that was may, a sad she, day. may she rest in peace. Hallelujah. Amen. Okay. <laughs> Sorry. Um, okay, so the show I'm doing at Sugar Hill Museum <laughs> is a, uh, it's a, it's a big mural. It's actually seven different murals that are collaged together and they, um, are representations of Latin America in popular art and in film, mm-hmm. in animation, actually. And so it starts off with these classic landscape paintings that I've been doing. And I call them paintings, but they're really like pinata paper mosaics mm-hmm. almost. And so, uh, they start with the work of Jose Maria Velasco, who was a 19th century Mexican painter who basically, mm-hmm. um, his paintings were sent across the world at different expos back in the day, um, to show the beauty of Mexico and like attract people to keep colonizing Mexico. Um, so then I look at, uh, I actually watched the movie The Three Caballeros recently. Oh Do you remember God. that movie? Yeah. So it's like, it's an old Disney movie from the 40s where Donald Duck goes to Latin mm-hmm. America and like discovers it and like learns all about it in these different vignettes. So I took a lot of the background animation cells, like the, the, the landscapes mm-hmm. and I collaged them together along with scenes from The Emperor's New Groove, from Coco, um, some from Peter Pan, actually, because there's some indigenous, like, in, oh, in Native yes. American yeah, characters yeah. in there. That's really racist. Um, and Disney uh, racist? I know. So, <laughs> um, so it's a collage of all these landscapes to create this, like, uh, kind of, like, abstract world. Um, and that's, like, a commentary on, um, like, the exotization of Latin America. Mm-hmm. Um, and also, um, it's also a comment on, like, my memory and my like association with home and with Mm -hmm. Latin America, because as a Latino first generation Mm -hmm. American, um, my mom's Guatemalan, my father's Mexican and both sides of my family always refer to, uh, refer to, you know, Mexico and Guatemala as like home as Mm -hmm. like the motherland. Yeah. And like, it's almost like we're just here temporarily. Mm -hmm. Um, and so, uh, my I, my identity was informed by pop culture and mm-hmm. like uh. what I thought Mexico was or Guatemala was. And then when I went there as a child, I was like, sadly, it was like a sad truth. Like, oh, this isn't like in the Disney movies. Mm-hmm. Like, you know what I mean? So um, it's kind of a comment. It's a, it's a comment on that. And I, and I like to take exactly what you were saying about like craft versus mm-hmm. fine art. I like to take materials that are craft mm-hmm. and elevate them and make them into fine mm-hmm. art and like kind of I like skewing with those lines. Yeah. Like what is craft? What is folk art? What mm-hmm. is fine art? Um, and so I'm working I do these big murals now that take over entire spaces and 
And the work is also about that, is like being a person of color, mm -hmm. even though I'm a white passing uh, Latino, um, being a person of color in these spaces and taking up as much space mm -hmm. as I can uh, and uh, being unapologetic about it. And um, also uh, just the, the notion, the idea of like covering every single wall in a place mm -hmm. with color, like um, that, that in itself is mm -hmm. very symbolic, right? Because a lot of these white institutions mm -hmm. have white walls. Mm -hmm. um, and, and, uh, you know, in art, it's always looked at as in, you know, like bad taste to have no negative space, right? And I'm like, fuck negative mm -hmm. space. We don't need it. I'm going to fill it all up. It's funny because wow. like, yeah, it's, it's all about like, um, this, this concept in, um, hold on. If I remember this correctly, it's called, uh, horror vacui. Yes. Yes. Which goes back to the ceramics of Puebla. Yes. <laughs> which were informed by, the porcelain from China and Pan yes. was collected by the uh, rulers of the Middle East who then traveled Spain and brought mm -hmm. it with them and then it made its way to Mexico. Just look it up. It's all there. Um, but yeah, you know, this like oh, the, 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 these ceramics and surfaces and um, even when you get into like the, col the colonial like Enconchado paintings, have you ever seen those where they're yeah. like encrusted with mother of pearl? Or like churches, the Baroque. Oh my right. God, the uh, what, what they called the... Uh, the, the uh, Estipite Baroque, I think, mm -hmm. is what they called it. Because, like, in, in Mexico, there was this, like, um, kind of filtering. And so you get this, like, Rococo Baroque. Yes. The, the, if I'm not mistaken, they called it... Um, I may even remember, but it was something like super Rococo. Like if you think about, you know, yeah. the angels and like flowers and, but on inverted call, there, there's like one, one church in Mexico City where it's like pink and white and gold and yes. green and blue. And, it, and I forget which one it is. Cause I, I went there when I was in Mexico City a very long time ago. And it's like, you can't think because it's all hovered. It's like encrusted in, yeah. in like, um, it's all done with plaster, but it's like, all of these, like, you know, um, very, like, Anglo-European concepts of art, but filtered through, you know, what the, the like, local artisans knew and, how to craft. And most most of the time, indigenous slaves. Yeah, exactly, yeah, right? That, that they were, like... their own methods. Yeah, they were, like, do this art, yeah. but do it our way. Mm -hmm. And so, mm. it's this very interesting filter um, yeah. that you see things through. And that's what your, your art kind of reminded me of, especially when, you know, you're doing this, like, cut paperwork. Yeah. And then the way that I saw in one of your uh, Instagram posts, I think, or maybe Facebook, you should, like, there is this, like, um, map kind of underneath, by which number. is very, this, like, almost, like, underdrawing. Yes. You know? And I really like that. And it reminded me, too, of the, like, 18th century um, Mexican um, cut paperwork. Have you ever seen those that they would do? And oh, yeah. um, they would put them against blue silk. Mm -hmm. But they were these very delicate things that these, you know... Um, that the art local artists would do and they would do inscriptions, but it was all cut paperwork. And we had one at the Hispanic society oh, cool. that we had to restore. And it was of the Plaza Mayor from like 1798. Anyway, your art, it's, it's very interesting because it all like is so reflective of that culture of, um, of working with paper, you yeah. know, and, and it's, it's not just like, you know, the pinata. Yeah. Like, you know, it's, it's very interesting. <laughs> and I don't think people see how, how far back. Yeah. And how loaded it is. Totally. And I mean, as well. Mexicans still call tissue paper papel china because they, they still mm -hmm. recognize that that tradition of make cartoneria, mm -hmm. right? Like making things with paper and cardboard mm -hmm. um, came from China. Yeah, the lanterns, the yeah. screens, it's papel all, yeah. yeah. Yeah, like the banners, mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. Totally. Mm -hmm. I didn't pa realize that Paper has what... a lot to say. 
Yeah. Well, that's where, yeah, I mean, it's, you know, where do you think the fans that drag queens use come from? Mm-hmm. Oh, well, I right. Mean, but that then were co-opted by the Spanish, and then, you know, Montones de Manila came from the Philippines and didn't have the fringe until they were brought over to Spain. I mean, and they're, you know, they all have, like, Asian influences, but then they became something kind of decidedly Hispanic. It's very interesting, and it's, you know, it's like cultural, it's not even a cult exchange, but, you know, kind of. That, Take, taking on of things that you like right and then filtering them. yeah and i find that really interesting because a lot of especially when i'm thinking of my own identity because like you you guys and in, in pincha were talking about and even we've had conversations robert about our own latinidad yeah mm-hmm. and how like we're never brown enough we're never latino enough we're never this you know and so when you start thinking about the history of like our traditions like uh, in Mexico, a lot of the traditions of Mexico are there because of colonization, and but mm-hmm. also because of the trade from Asia. Mm-hmm. And um, <laughs> and there, yeah, people are just like obsessed with like authenticity, like I said before. And it's like, girl, you know, we got cilantro, we got chili peppers from China. Like, like mm-hmm. if you want to be like a, a legit Mexican mm-hmm. that only eats Mexican food, like all you're gonna be eating is like corn tortillas and like. I don't know, like, literally, you're just going to be eating corn. You know so what I mean? It's like those, those Manila galleons. <laughs> the Manila yeah. galleons that went to Veracruz, they just brought... Yeah. You know, it, it's... Like, nothing is ever just as simple, I think, as people want it yeah. to, like, be. You know, like, is pasta just Italian? No. Like, yeah. where the hell do you think noodles came? Like, that, like that's not... Right. They didn't yeah. have that until, I think, Marco Polo brought... You know, he brought, he brought it back. Like, yeah. Um, it's... It's very interesting, you know, but it's it people it, it's it takes less uh I guess thought to just like have it be very like 2D, mm-hmm. you know, instead of looking like what looking at what's behind the tradition, you know, like what you're doing where you're looking at how you know your 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 culture has been taken and kind of twisted and turned and 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 been used um to entertain. Yeah. But in in many cases, losing the cultural significance that it has to the people from which it was taken, yeah, or appropriated to create something like the Emperor's New Groove, yeah, you know, or um, you ever seen the Road to El Dorado? But no, I haven't seen that one. Ooh, girl, yeah, ooh, she's problematic. <laughs> As so, much as I love Rosie Perez, that movie is ooh. very problematic. Oh, man, I should have used that one. I did, I've never seen ooh. that one. It's a great soundtrack. Yeah. <laughs> I, oh, was Rosie, did Rosie Perez sing for it? No, Elton John did the soundtrack for that of one. Of course he of did. Of course he did. It's oh. a great, I mean, not. it's a great soundtrack, but it's like Elton John. Didn't he do Eldorado. The Lion King, too? He did. That sure was did. a good one. Yeah. That was a good soundtrack. But were there no, you know, anyway, yeah. let's not... <laughs> But I mean, that's the that's the fun part about my art is like doing the research now. I, I've I've become more of a research based artist, and that's actually mm-hmm. thanks to Babelito because he like really made me think about mm-hmm. like why I'm using certain symbols within my work. And at first, the piñata was like uh, something that was just to me was really funny, like to like elevate this like kids party thing and this decoration. So to me, it like it was something that I was reclaiming. Mm-hmm. And in the beginning, I was when I was making my First of all, I didn't always make art about my identity because even when I was in art school, I realized like, hey, if I am going to make art about being brown or being a Latino, then there's no turning back because Mm -hmm. most people of color that make art 
the way that they are allowed to be in institutions is if they use their biography, their trauma, their their race, right, their color mm-hmm. yeah. to 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 make a statement. It's never just about the art, you know. Um, they're they're. You have to work even harder. You have to work. Because you have to tap into all that pain. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And now that I've been meeting a lot of, uh, you know, like undocumented artists and, and people of color in the art world, um, it's great to hear these honest conversations of like, we had our, this poet, Yosima Reyes, on our show. And he's like, girl, if they want to hear about my trauma, I charge $200 a tier. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, yes! I'm going to get paid for this trauma. Mm-hmm. Right. So. I, I knew even then, like, oh, I don't know if I want to do that. And then as soon as I made a pinata, it was over. Like, everybody loved it. And that was like mm-hmm. 10 years ago. And I thought, okay, I'm just going to make one thing and get it out of the way. Get it, and, yeah. Like, and yeah, just like, you know, work it out. And then here I am still, still doing it. Right. Mm-hmm. But I guess what I realized after starting Latinos Who Lunch, um, is that I was, at first I thought it was funny that I was making artwork, um, that, uh, uh, I, I was playing off of the perceptions of Latinidad, right? And like thinking, okay, people think that because I'm a brown artist, I, I need to make art about my trauma. I need to make mm-hmm. art about tacos. I need to make art, you know, just like really hacky shit, mm-hmm. cheesy shit that I still do because I love it. But, um, I realized that when, when I went to Mexico, that like I was making artwork for the art world. Mm-hmm. I wasn't making artwork for myself right. mm-hmm. and about my family. And I had this like uh, come to Jesus moment in the streets of Mexico because I had this residency out there and I was making these piñata sculptures and hanging them in the street and calling them interventions. Like, I'm, you know, and nobody saw them because I'm hanging a piñata in the street in Mexico. Who cares? <laughs> right. So I'm like, oh, my God. I'm making art for white people, mm-hmm. right? And so as soon as I got back from that trip, um, I said, "That's I'm done with that. Now my artwork is about reclaiming my identity mm-hmm. and also validating my identity as uh, a person from Las Vegas mm-hmm. who's queer, who likes to eat ranch dressing and fucks with Taco <laughs> Bell, okay? I am just as Latino as... Uh, as, 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 as the next person. Mm-hmm. Um, and just because, you know, I don't, uh, you know, I don't know. I don't want to make fun of artists that, that do very like indigenous traditional shit, but mm-hmm. it's like, just because I don't do that doesn't mean mm-hmm. that, I, I, that, that my point of view is not mm-hmm. valid. Right. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah. Um, and so, um, celebrating my history is important to me. Um, but also having these conversations that we're having right now is important. Um, and also, um, I mean, it's just, it's just, it's a tricky thing because there's a very fine line between celebration and like exploitation of mm-hmm. your own culture. Okay. And, oh, I, and, and that's something that I do. Mm-hmm. And I know, and in the beginning I was doing it, I was exploiting my culture and my family on purpose. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, and it was actually hurtful. And so it's something that I'm, that I'm learning how to navigate. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so. Well, it's a trap that's very easy to fall into. Yes. Because you're right. It is, you know, like artists of color, it's, um, it's like, it has to be very clear that this was made by somebody of color. Yeah. Like, and that's how it works, unfortunately, you know, like major institutions. Um, and again, using the word institution, it's like, okay, well, fine. But, um, you know, the fact that you, cause like there's a, there's a certain, like, there's a consciousness in your art that, like, you know what you're doing. 
You know, you're not like you're you're I mean, you're essentially taking the pinata and unraveling it. Yeah. And that's, yeah. you know, mm-hmm. and 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 you're not making something that is just hanging that doesn't take up that much space. Yeah. You're like you said earlier, you are you you're, you're using a very traditional like, you know, the rectangle flat yeah. up against the wall, but it's it's the pinata kind of flattened out. Yeah. You know, and then taking over a whole wall and then taking over a whole room. And so in in, in a way, it's. It, it, it not even to use the word elevate, but it's like what you were saying, like you know, like using that line, um, knowing how to toe that line very yes. carefully. Whereas, like any, you know, creating a pinata can be exploitative, but then taking it and shifting it and like turning it into something where now, like you're kind of like inside the pinata yeah. or you're you're experiencing it in in more dimensions than you would have. Mm-hmm. It it then becomes drawing on that to, like you said, you know express your you know your uh your perspective so you're yeah. not like exploiting you're drawing from it yes. and, I, and and that was really interesting what you were talking about because i feel like artists of color to be accepted you know in like the art world or like enter a collection or museum collection and it um there is that pressure to yeah. like be black be mexican be yeah. brown be whatever it is but like just like be really that like be really recognizably that yeah, because that's what we want. Yeah, you know, and it's like you should never do the that's what we want. Yeah, because that's not good. I don't think. Right. But. I mean, we got to pay our rent too, though. Well, of course. So I always say, right. I, I always used to be worried when they would curate me into Chicano shows because technically I'm half Central American, so I'm not. Mm-hmm. I'm not Chicano. I'm first generation Chicano. By definition, is a Mexican American that's lived in this country for two or three gener like from families that have been here for two or three generations. Um. But, like, I mean, I always say, like, if the check clears, I'm Chicano. Mm-hmm. Like, and people are really offended by that. But um, it's, like, it's not my fault that curators are lazy and don't do their research. And um, and I've been in enough of these shows that now a lot of the Chicano artists recognize me as a Chicano. Um, and they know that I'm not. It's mm-hmm. because they know that I know what I'm... They know that... Um, uh, I understand that uh-huh. and that I'm towing those lines and I'm yeah. pushing those buttons. And then mm-hmm. whenever I talk on a panel, I call curators out and say, hey, I'm not Chicano, but thank you for inviting me. Yeah, to like you show. have me here. Hello. Yeah. Hi. So like you're holding the like the flag to <laughs> the Guatemalan flag. Yeah, you're yeah. like, um, <laughs> you're like, I'm here because like you paid me to be. Yeah. But do you really know the definition? Yeah. Because, yeah, it's yeah, totally. And I mean. I, and I always, I don't know, it, and it's also this thing about, like, queer artists, right? Like, a lot of your artwork has to be about queerness. Mm-hmm. And the mind's not, like, directly about that, but, like, if you look and you kind of, like, dig a little, like, it, mm-hmm. it's... It's it's all there, right? And like mm-hmm. like I love using this tissue paper, this material because a lot of times like decorating and like party things are they look like a look like like a woman's work, mm-hmm. like a very feminine thing. So I love that um I have all these like manly dudes at the museum helping these art handlers helping me mm-hmm. and like they're glue. like just like very like gingerly like applying tissue paper mm-hmm. to cardboard for hours every day. It's awesome. <laughs> is it is it cut before it goes on? Yes. Yes, oh it's all hand God. cut before it goes on the wow. walls. Yes. No. Yeah. Oh my Y'all God. should come through. Come check it out. Come oh my help. God. <laughs> we want to. How much? How much ends up just like having to be like removed because it just gets like messed up as it gets put on? Uh, not a lot. It usually, usually, sometimes like if you're not careful, you get glue all over the paper that's at the bottom. Mm-hmm. So 
I only have to remove the stuff that's like wrinkled if it mm-hmm. looks bad. But I actually like when it looks handmade and mm-hmm. when there's drips and stuff. I kind of let it go mm-hmm. a lot of time because I like that you see like the artist's yeah. hand in in the work. Mm-hmm. Um, and I n- another reason I use the material too is that it's accessible. Like people know what the material is mm-hmm. and know the limitation paper. So yeah, um, that also is part of it. That's fascinating. Yeah. Hmm. I'm excited to see it. Yeah, it opens on, I believe it opens on October 21st. And, uh, but there's like a private opening October 17th. I'll put you guys on the list. But, uh, yeah. Um, and so, yeah, the show opens soon and it'll be up for like a full year. So you guys, oh my God. Wow. That's amazing. Mm -hmm. Oh, that's Mm -hmm. exciting. So it's at the Sugar Hill Museum, Children's Museum. Yes, Mm -hmm. Sugar Hill Children's Museum of Art and Storytelling. And that's on the corner of 155th and St. Nick's. St. Mm -hmm. Nicholas. Yeah. I remember when that building was being built. Because uh-huh. I used to work just like I used to work on 155th and Broadway. Oh, cool. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's amazing. Yeah, it's a great building. I mean, it's also a sign of gentrification that that building is there. Yeah. Um, so that's another thing that I it's have to deal with. It's a very strange building. Yeah. It's like this, like. It was kind of like a flag being planted. Yeah, because right. I remember when he worked there and I would go pick him up occasionally, yeah. I would see it and be like, this does not belong here. It reminded me of it's the, like is it the, a, they call yeah. it the monolith from, from Space Odyssey? It looks like cubes like stacked on yeah. top of each other. Mm-hmm. Kind it kind of doesn't make sense how it can yeah. stand that. It's like equilibrium. It's very strange. Yeah. But, but it's beautiful. I will say, uh, the, the director and everybody that works there is very aware of their position in the community mm-hmm. and um, and I actually have never worked for an institution that is like so aware of that and they're like I was really impressed by their programming because the first week I was here the museum was still open it's mm-hmm. closed now for the install but um, they do their programming outside of the building also oh, wow. so the mm. people don't have to go in and just like you said like nobody likes to go into a church anymore mm-hmm. nobody likes to go into museums yeah so they're reaching and they're think, literally reaching out I think they realize that people aren't going in the building mm-hmm. um, so they did all the, they do all this programming like in the street for the people which is really mm-hmm. cool and, well, I mean, like, and it's wow. an imposing structure as well so it's true you know. I know that's when I worked at the Den. oh my god when I did this installation at the Denver Art Museum they they had me sit on this like Latinx committee meeting and they're like how are you and I was in this big Latino group show and they the Denver Art Museum do you know what it looks like it's like vaguely it's like a big silver it almost looks like something out of Star Wars and it has like really sharp angles everywhere it looks like a bunch of triangles like stacked I, now like, I know falling. it yeah you know what I mean mm-hmm. and it looks like it's gonna like okay <laughs> so they're like what are we gonna I'm do gonna to get this up yeah I, I have like I have a, an image in my mind they're like what are we gonna do to get the Latino community to the to the museum I'm like well first of all uh, maybe you shouldn't have a white supremacist structure uh, <laughs> oh, <laughs> as damn. your main building that looks <sighs> like it's gonna chop your head off when you walk in I'm like you, you're not people aren't gonna come to this place if it lit it looks scary like you're not gonna yeah. be able to come in here yeah oh my god I mean it's gorgeous <laughs> it's beautiful it's beautiful, mm-hmm. but it's yeah. It's, it's um oh god, it's so oh it's it's so um yeah belabored. Yes, mm. yes. Because it's like trying to be like trying to be uh it's trying to win an architectural award. Yes, that's what it, it looks probably like. Did. It pro- yeah. I mean, yeah. But I mean, I guess all that to say, I'm excited to be in New York. <laughs> 
<laughs> Shout out to the ch- to the children's the Sugar Hill Children's Museum, and um, I'm super excited because I'm also gonna be showing alongside Lorna Simpson's work, and she's like a <gasps> really famous. Yeah, she's she's in her 80s now. Oh my god, I saw her work in Seattle. It was amazing. It's amazing. Yeah, yeah, and uh, so she's gonna be there on mm-hmm. the on, on the for the opening. Oh yeah, it's gonna be awesome. Cool. And um, yeah, so the show is titled Recuérdame, which means Remember Me, um, and it's like it's making a statement like do I remember this from my mm-hmm. childhood or from my trips to Latin America mm-hmm. but it's also like, like do a you question remember, do you remember, remember the cartoons as well yeah I mean, do you remember these yeah. really racist cartoons oh my gosh so the okay so I'll be quick so the <laughs> no I love this <laughs> Okay, so a lot of people see the movies, Los Tres Caballeros, The Three Caballeros, and they actually did a companion movie that was before it called Saludos Amigos. It was like the third and fourth Disney feature film. I think it was Snow White, Dumbo, Saludos Amigos, and then The Three Caballeros. Man, this was one of the Saludos Amigos. Yeah, it's really bad. And so it's like <laughs> The Three Caballeros, but it's it's with goofies in it. Um so okay, okay so the I did research on this movie and uh it's so sinister. It's so fucked up. So a lot of Latinos see this move, like uh, of like Disney coming to Latin America, as like, wow, Disney really fucks with us. Like he loves Latin America, and it became this big thing. And now, anytime you go to Mexico, still to this day, people are obsessed with Disney, right? It's like global, mm-hmm. and but especially in Latin America, like I don't know how many Elsas I saw last time I went to Mexico, like walking around dressed up in like the squares everywhere, you know? Mm-hmm. Wait, really? Yeah, like in like Times Square, yes. like they do it. Yes, there's like Elsa? people dressed up as yeah. They love Disney there. Anytime a Disney movie comes out, and I can't even imagine now that Coco came out. Uh, anyway, <laughs> okay, so. Uh, Los Tres Caballeros and Saludos Amigos was actually funded. The, this, those two movies were funded by the U- U.S. government as part of the good neighbor policy because they didn't want the Nazis, they didn't want Latin America to side with the Nazis during World War II. So they sent Disney down there with his animators to do research for these films to play nice with Latin America. So it's all a political, like it was all a political uh, move the on the part of the United States. Yeah. There are problems Isn't with that. Isn't that crazy? Oh I had God. no idea. I just made my glasses wow. turn sideways. <laughs> Literally. So, yeah. Um, wow. So now God, propaganda. It makes, it makes a lot of sense. It but Disney didn't do propaganda for it. Oh, my God. Oh, no. no Those films are... Never. Yeah, 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 yeah. No. Anyway, yeah. That's what that movie's <laughs> about. And actually, you know, the movie that, that made me think of this idea was the movie Selena. Another shout really? out to J-Lo. Because that movie is, is such a cultural, like, touchstone now for a lot of Chicanos, a lot of Mexican Americans, and it's almost seen as a documentary. And you, mm-hmm. you sometimes have to remind people, like, you know that, you know that's like that's like just based on a true story. There was a, that's not right. actually. There was a girl I went Selena to high school story. with who was yeah. a huge Selena fan. Yeah, and we watched Selena in like in Spanish class. For, I don't know why, because it wasn't in Spanish, but yeah, you know, it was like here's something Hispanic. Let's watch yeah. it. <laughs> Um, and she thought it was a documentary. Yeah. Like, no, like, people straight up, yeah. People really but she was also that. the one who was, like, you know, wanted a, wanted a, a, a shirt from Channel. A Channel? Mm-hmm. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> I love Selena. Yeah. I love that movie. I just want to go too. on the record and remind everyone about how much I love it. I like Daniel the, never lets me watch it. I like it the fashion Whenever show. it's on TV. 
It's always on TV. It's always on TV. Yeah, I, I like the fashion He's like, show you're portion. gonna you're gonna get sad, and I'm like, no, I'll turn it <laughs> off when she sings "Streaming of You." That's always what I do. I turn it off. It's fine. <laughs> Yes. Also, anyway, I like to talk about how fucked up it is that uh, if because I have a very I have a strange relationship with religion, but I always think of like if it wasn't for religion, Selena would still be alive. <gasps> That's how I think of it. But anyway, you know that that. Yeah, because her family was Jehovah's Witness. Yes. So she couldn't mm-hmm. get a blood transfusion. Yep. Yeah. But that wasn't in the movie, was it? No. Mm, it was no, it not wasn't, in the conveniently. Movie. Mm. I heard that that wasn't, that she was, she had already lost too much blood by the time mm-hmm. she got to the hospital. But I want to believe that's a lie, too. Well, she walked around the hotel after she was shot. Right. Her and, and uh, Yolanda walked yep. around the hotel for a while trying to, like, find help or something or trying to fix it minute. themselves without what? going to the hospital. Yeah, there's Yolanda whole... shot her and then was trying to fix it? Yes. Yeah, she immediately regretted shooting her. I, mean, well, I would hope so. And that's what she said. She, I mean, she claims it was an accident. According to the book Selena's Secret by Maria Celeste Raras of Primer Impacto. Shut yes. up. Oh my God, Primer Impacto. <laughs> I've read every fucking book about You Selena. need to be an oh announcer. Yes. I, um, yeah, but then she ended up, she ended up running to the lobby and that's where she like fell and yes yeah. Yeah. oh that is even more fucked up mm-hmm. oh that's awful yeah yeah oui. yeah oui. it's really messed up um so <laughs> your most recent episode with yes. well at this point it'll be the penultimate episode i keep doing this on yeah this that's what you love that you word i love saying that because yeah. <laughs> i know what it, it means i love um, it so on uh, a recent episode you did with Luce, yes, um, there was she was talking about uh, episode ninety two. Let there be loose. Yes, yes. It is a very enlightening episode and very interesting, and um, I recommend that everybody listen to it. But one of the things that um, that I took away from it is the fact that our theme song, which is titled "Fat Fish," <laughs> um, I've, and I've been thinking about this for a little while now, but yeah. I sort of. Uh, I guess I sort of bury it and I'm a little bit in denial of it because I have my own idea of it, but I get that there's my, the way I view it and there's the way the world views it. Yeah. Um, so I wanted to talk about this with you because I okay. want to get your perspective on it. Okay. Um, is our theme song problematic? Yes. Okay. Let's talk <laughs> about this. Yeah. I mean, on the episode, we... Um, we talk a lot. Well, Luce, uh, Linda Garcia, Luce Warrior, as she's known online, uh, has a podcast and it's about menstruation yes. and the cycles of the moon and how that relates. And she's, uh, she's a very spiritual person. And, um, you know, it's funny because Babalito and I used to like roll our eyes at that when we first started the podcast. And now, like, we're all into that shit. <laughs> and it's, and it's, um, about spirituality. I, yeah. I mean, I mean, Babalito like wears a crystal now. Like, he's one of oh. those people. Yeah. It's great. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, oh my gosh, we're so we're so like yeah, we've grown a lot. So, but mm-hmm. anyways, uh, we started talking about how misogynist like gay men yes. can be, and like how disgusted they are by vaginas. Even right. saying the word vagina grosses some dudes out, right? right. I don't Absolutely. get that. I don't understand that. So I was getting, right. I got really angry on the podcast about it on that episode, and just started calling people out. And then I said, and guess what, Mimi? All of you motherfuckers calling vaginas fish or or drag queens that look like passable women like yes. first of all that term and that then that also makes that term like weird transphobic and then also just equating mm-hmm. the smell of fish to a vagina right it, there's there's a problem there Absolutely. and like we need to 
Like, wake up. We need to acknowledge that. You know what I mean? And that was actually pointed out to me years ago when my friends and I were watching RuPaul's Drag Race and they called somebody a fishy queen. Right. And my friend's like, fishy? Like, like fish? And then, like, she put it together and she's like, that's really offensive. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I had to hear that from a woman because I thought it was funny before, too. You know, like, tuna on a platter. Oh, she's giving you several types of fish. Rainbow roll. But then whatever. you have to go back so, and be like, well, where is this coming yeah, from? Right. Yeah. Where is this coming from? And I mean, it's not the first time RuPaul's Drag Race has been problematic, but... (gasps) (laughs) Nor the last. How dare you? Nor the last. Nor the last. But, um, yeah, I don't use that. I mean, I don't use that term anymore. And um, I don't know. I find it... I do. I find it pretty offensive, Mm -hmm. you know? Um, And I know it's your theme song. Mm -hmm. And I know people listening now are saying, like, you're overreacting. We can't say anything anymore. Everybody polices. Right. You know, I just hear Lady Bunny, like, like saying... <laughs> Why yeah. Bunny? Well, because Lady, oh. I mean, Lady Bunny and Jackie B, I've heard them have very honest conversations on podcasts because right. they, you know, we can't say, I mean, it's offensive to say she male, you know, like on right. RuPaul's Drag. It's, just, right. it's offensive to say tranny, right? right. Like, right. we shouldn't say those words unless mm-hmm. you're a trans person with your friends. You know, mm-hmm. it's like there's very specific yes. words that you can say around certain people, right? right. And so... I think fish is one of those words now. Right. Mm-hmm. And like, and it's just, it's this thing, this like awareness, like if you, if, especially with our podcast, like if we're going to claim to be this like very, uh, I hate to use the term, but like woke mm-hmm. podcast. Yeah. Like, I hate that term too. I don't like I'm it. Like, I prefer aware. Yeah. Yeah. It, yeah. To, I wouldn't, I use the term. I, I wouldn't use the term woke in that context. Yeah. It just, it's not genuine to the way I speak. I would say aware. Yeah. So I would call it aware. I, yeah, I, I guess I feel because it's like very definitive, like you're woke and then like there's nothing left. Not like I, I feel like we're all we need to just keep learning because like once you claim mm-hmm. yourself as a woke person, uh, like that can also be problematic sometimes, you know, because then you're like claiming to be almost like an expert or something. And it's yeah. like people that are experts and stuff actually never learn anything new because they think that. Well, so what, an expert know, wouldn't yeah. call themselves woke. Yeah, because they know that there's so you say you're aware. Like, yeah. I mean, I, I and, and I think it's like, I mean, this is totally yeah. off topic, but it's like words like that, like woke or, you know, woke. It, it, it's like it's it's um, it's like it's like a term to me that's been developed to like. It's like fashionable now. It's like yeah, cool. it's yes, like trendy absolutely. because yeah. because and, and I get why it's useful mm-hmm. and I, because it is it's tapping into um like, a, you know, something else like it, it's. It's making being socially aware of things like the usage of the word fish or the N word or any, you know, like. Shout out to Eureka. Yeah. (laughs) Right? Right? Like, because woke woke isn't just not using those things. Yeah. Woke or being aware is also understanding why it's not, not just that it's not correct, why it's not acceptable. Yeah. And so I think woke in and of itself is problematic because it's like, I'm woke, right? So you say that. And so I'm like, it's like, ooh, ooh, that person is an enlightened being Mm. and they know everything and they make no mistakes. Mm -hmm. Girl, we all make mistakes. Yeah. Like, again, no matter color, creed, language, like everybody slips up and, and says something that they don't have access to. Yeah. I mean, again, 
you know, that's not necessarily like, you know, like everybody's bad, but I just don't like the term woke. I think it's, it's, it's far too trendy to have any type of longevity. And I just think like, you know, saying that you're aware and or sensitive to the struggles of others yeah. is a much more, um, it's much. It's a much more informed way of saying that you've done your homework. Mm. I think. I yeah. feel like we're moving away from the topic. Well, no, but, but I, no, but it's true because, like, because, no, I understand because what you're us, saying. Us talking about, about saying. fat fish. Yeah. It it is it is something that like I don't like it when drag queens equate fish with pussy on stage or make you know a pussy tuna joke. Like, right. It's like I don't like I'm that like, either. I'm and like, I'm, really? I think it's tired comedy. Mm-hmm. Like if you're, it's like, are we on a cruise ship? It's yeah. not, this it's is not so 1990. Yeah. Like, yeah. it's like, it's do better. Go. So, my case for Fat Fish is that it's not based on, it's not based on that notion. It's based on the idea of an actual, like a mermaid. Uh, That's where it comes from. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so, but like I said earlier, I understand that there's a connotation to the word fish yeah. all on its own mm-hmm. in the context of this podcast. Right. And so, and also fat mermaid doesn't why, sound very catchy. Well, no, I'm not going to, I wouldn't do that. It's like, it has to be something else now. Like, yeah. um, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I just, I don't want to be the, the thing about it is like the, the thing about being aware is that once you're aware, you have to actually do something about mm-hmm. it. Like it, you have to do something with that information and understanding that, um, that I am contributing to the misogyny that gay men sometimes exhibit. Yeah. You know, it's something that like, I have to do something with that information is basically mm-hmm. the point of yeah. this conversation. Um, so. Well, just like yeah. us, like we're Latinos who lunch and now everybody's using the word Latinx. So some people have called us out like that we're excluding people with the name Latinos who lunch. But then we have to explain like, no, that's in reference to us. Right. We both identify as male Latinos. Right. Um, well, that, yeah, that's your own personal, that's our own identity, personal identity. And that should be respected. Yeah. And I do identify as Latinx also. Mm-hmm. Right. So, yeah, I think it's the same idea. Like now you're aware of it. Yeah. I mean. It also you're also referencing food, which I love and I understand. Like I like I like the I like your 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 intro song, but yeah, I don't know. I it is it is pro. I mean, you asked me, is it problematic? Yeah, yeah it is. It is, mm-hmm. and that's why. I mean, even RuPaul had to change female right mm-hmm. to whatever right. he says now, which is also. Which is also kind of offensive, but right. <laughs> if you think of the root of that one, do you know about that? No, I don't know where she'd already done had hers. I, I, I half of the things RuPaul says sometimes, I like I know where they came from, and then the other half, I'm just like. If I remember correctly, she was like at some restaurant or some fast food place yep. when she was younger, and this woman, uh, who probably from a different socioeconomic background, I'll say, mm. like didn't get her food, and or she said that she's like she done already had hers, and you know, like when RuPaul code switches from like mm-hmm. Amazon to like Star Booty Ghetto RuPaul. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, what are you doing there, girl? You know, but, you mm-hmm. know, uh, RuPaul has been everywhere and her experience is the, <laughs> I gotta stop talking. But anyways, you know mm. what I mean? Like, it's like this, this, like, this, like, bl- I'm just going to say like this, like black RuPaul versus the white RuPaul. Right. You know what I mean? Like, it's like, well, very, we, you know, we talked about obvious. that. I forget. We get in trouble about that too. We get yeah. in trouble about that too, because we talk about how RuPaul and, and I, and I don't like the 
like black, white, wh- yeah, whatever. I mean, I, I I know that that's how it's referred to, but mm-hmm. in, in my but that's what it is. Way, yeah, I know, but it's but it's not but about it's, but it's not about re- referring to her person her her personality, her actions reflecting a certain skin tone. It's literally RuPaul is um, RuPaul is uh, projecting like to white people right now mm-hmm. what they want. and then she's also projecting to white people how they see black people it's yeah. the same thing in both well, it's, in it's, both ways wearing different clothing yeah she's giving them the like the um she's making them comfortable yeah and that's and, the th- that's the problem but wait, my and, thing is that i also look at it as her like my, the whole thing with rupaul is yeah. that she has reached a level where she has attained a level of privilege. Ooh, I use level way too many times. <laughs> she has reached a stage in her career and her life. Yeah. Let's use college words now. <laughs> where, where she has attained a level of privilege that she would not have otherwise been granted. Yeah. Had she not entered this room. Do, do you know, like, like as, as, totally. as RuPaul was born and looks and is that privilege is not automatically granted to him. Yeah. But now he has achieved that and he doesn't want to let that go. And then part of that privilege is not giving a fuck about what other people, how other people are I don't affected. think, I don't think that RuPaul doesn't give a fuck. I think RuPaul actively tries to convince people. RuPaul gaslights everybody else into convincing them that things like racism are not real. And that's really fucked up. What were you going to say? Well, yeah. Them? And that's what happens. Well, this is what happens when black people or people of color. I, sh- I shouldn't say just black people, but people of color are surrounded by white people that are all yes men. Mm-hmm. Like that don't check you. Mm-hmm. This is what's happening to Kanye West. This is what this is what's happening to RuPaul. This is what happens to Whoopi Goldberg, right? It's like they say really weird shit because they have a lot of white friends in high places and and they're those people of color that say not all white people are like that. People that say things like I don't see color are the most problematic people mm-hmm. out there. We right. need to see color, we need to acknowledge it mm-hmm. if we want racism to end, right? Ignoring these things mm-hmm. is not going to do anything. Right. And so, yes, RuPaul has done a lot. RuPaul has been through a lot of shit. Oh, absolutely. And that is val- and that her experience is very valid and she's like paved the way. But like y'all were talking about with I think uh with uh, my new drag crush Jupiter Velvet mm-hmm. is that she is now a gatekeeper, mm-hmm. and uh, that's not what drag was about. There are no gates. There, like there shouldn't no. be any. There's yeah, yeah, and um, and and so now RuPaul has has that power, um, and and maybe isn't choosing to use it responsibly, like her voice responsibly. You know, like I don't mm-hmm. know, I don't know. So is that 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 tired us with great power comes great responsibility yeah. with great power comes a great electric bill i mean so. <laughs> what a great note to end on yes. let's do it oh my god thank you so much for being on our podcast this is so much fun i'm so happy that we finally got oh to god, do it yes. big shout out to richard viegas of song mess because he's been waiting yay yay oh. Wherever, where in the world is Richard? He's living his best life in Mexico City. Yeah, he's no, Mexico has he, City he's right there now. like for a, a hot minute now. Like he's just he's going to be gone a... soon. I think he's going to South America next. Oh, oh yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, please let our listeners know where they can follow you on social media and where they can listen to your show. Please, yeah, sure. You can follow me at Favi Fav F A V Y F A V on Instagram, Twitter. 
all social media platforms and my podcast Latinos Who Lunch um, on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. Uh, my website, if you want to see my art, is justinfavela.com. Um, and actually, this is an exclusive. <gasps> I'm starting another podcast called the Art People Podcast that is going to debut in November. Oh my, that's exciting! And so, Art People Podcast, Google the locus. Uh. <laughs> I love it. Well, we are Grizzly Kiki on everything. That means Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Follow us there, please. And you can send your questions to grizzlykiki at gmail.com, and maybe we'll read yours on the air. And don't forget to subscribe on iTunes. (laughs) So until next time, bye. bye!